And welcome back for another episode of Loss of Down. We are your hosts. I am Stephen Weed. Of course, always joining me in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Mr. Wally Lukashensky. Before I toss it to him, we want you to know this episode is brought to you by Tabbies.com, the premier Delta 8 edible on the market, T-A-B-E-A-S-E.com. Make sure to use promo code FOOTBALL for 20% off your order as well as free shipping. Yours truly, Walter Lukashensky, had a birthday this week. I know we got to sit there and enjoy the Stanley Cup Finals. I don't want to take too much of your thunder here, even though I have. Wally, how are you, bud? Happy belated birthday. And you look great. You don't look a day over the birth that you currently are. That's so nice for you to say that, too. I'm in the last year of the 20s, so I got to make this one count because I'm already it, seeing that 30 out there. And it's 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 intimidating, but we'll figure that out. But you mentioned it. Yeah, Cup Finals, it was an awesome one. I was happy to see a new winner crowned. But other than that, there was a couple things I wanted to bring up here early in one of those things being the leg hypothetical heard around the world this last week. I've been getting texts and comments. And of course, you'll hear later in this interview, Kyle Butson with Stephen Weed talking about his million dollar leg. He, he still wants it lower than me. So we're going to have to figure out if we can haggle with the, the surgeon a little here. But I was amazed at how widespread these numbers were from the million that you heard or what you will hear to, I have friends out there saying they wouldn't take a billion dollars for it. And to those people, I just say, you're a liar. You are a liar. liar. And you you said it best when you're like, Oh, Oh, that was the amount you picked Steve. What if this amount was in in front of you? Yeah. Okay. That's going to be way different. You put, you just put a a million dollars in front of them. You're going to be contemplating it. Yeah, I mean, Butson's ready to upend his life and move with a million dollars that probably won't even last him a couple of years the way it sounds he's going to spend it. That's more realistic than the people out there like turning away a freaking private jet and living on an island for the rest of their life. No, get out of here. That is absurd. Again, it's turning into my favorite hypothetical of all time. And I'm loving, I'm loving when people like Butson are honest with it and give us those kind of numbers. 2.5 2.5 and, was mine. And like I said, I think I, there's a couple things that I kind of ran off. I know I want the Bobby Bonilla treatment. I get a payment every, uh, every July 1st. I think it's July 1st. That's coming up on this Friday, which is pretty fun. Uh, maybe just 10 mil straight, but, or I, what, I wanted 50 mil to a hundred, but you said, well, if there's 10 mil cash, you're taking it. Even 9.5. You're going to tell me you're taking, you're not going to take a private jet over your own leg. This thing pisses me off. It's itchy. You know what? I don't have to worry about mosquitoes for a, another good sized portion of my body. Now I can focus on other things. You know, I never have to worry about leg day. Not that if you know me, not that I'm really too worried about it currently, but that's even going to help me not have to worry about it even more. Well, it, it looked think like about a the other way. things. You save half the money on shoes. You step on a scale. You feel better about yourself, even though it's not really done anything. There's a lot to be won here without a leg. I just, just, th- I think people need to think about it more. Come I agree. On. This is the, the real question. The future that we're headed, we're barely, we barely use our legs anyway. If that's going, we have hoverboards. Um, okay, the sure, Wally I guess movie. bikes, but you can just put your spike into the bike and you're going to go a little bit quicker. I don't know. I just feel like you're going to, you're going to see a lot more Forrest Gump as people that can run across the U.S. if we have just fucking very nice replacement legs. We just need surgeons For walking around dollars. offering money. If we get surgeons walking around offering money, we're going to get a lot of real answers real quick. Take them both, man. 
Hey, bargain deal. Like if you bumped up like the extra 25% on the second leg, Hey, that's fine with me. I'll get them fitted. I'll sit around in a chair. So it's June, which you know what that means. It is just a horrible, horrible time in the NFL. It's right in between there. All that drama's kind of done. You have a few free agents that were waiting to get signed and we're really just waiting for mini camps, OTAs, all that fun jazz to start here in July. But don't worry. Somehow, meanwhile, you're going to keep you entertained. Before we hop into some NFL stories here, we do want you to let you know. We do want to let you know, my goodness, this week's NFL news is brought to you by Abby Turner Creative, your one-stop shop marketing agency specializing in branding, high-end photography, fashion, and more, especially if you're Wally and I's age where it seems like college graduations, engagements, weddings, baby pictures, you name it, it feels like it's happening every single weekend. Abby Turner Creative is the only way to go. Check her out for yourself on abbyturnerphoto.com. That's Abby, A-B-B-E-Y, or you can go to her Instagram at Sawdad and Sapphire. Again, that is abbyturnerphoto.com. So we're going to start it off here with Wally being an, the biggest asshole in the entire world. <laughs> this hurts. I this mean, one's tough. And we know this because of a couple weeks ago of a quote that he's going to throw in here. Go out and pull up this YouTube clip and realize why I hate Tony Siragusa so much. In the AFC Championship game in 2000 in Oakland, Tony Siragusa basically dead-weighted well after Rich Gannon released the ball and dislocated his shoulder, ending the game at that point. I don't know if the Raiders are going to win, but that was the best Raiders team in that early 2000 stretch. They lost three straight years to what would become the Super Bowl champion. They lost to that Ravens team in 2000. They lost to the Patriots in the Tuck World game in 2001, and they lose to the Bucs in the Super Bowl in 2002. It just is this constant reminder of what if. Because if Rich Gannon does survive that game, there's a real chance that the Raiders still win because the Raiders defense was good enough. I think they lost that game. It was either like 13-3 or 20-3 because their offense was three years ago. Stop living in the past. I can't. That's all I have right now is the past. So, I okay, great, great defense. I understand why people would argue best ever, but I will never forgive Tony Siragusa. It was a dirty play. Anybody who watched it can't deny it was a dirty play. I thought it looked clean. It just you played to the whistle. It just so happened that yeah. you were playing so hard he couldn't hear the whistle. Dead weighted. I'm sure you guys have seen it at home by now. Tired of it. Whatever. I'm done with talking about him. Defensive tackles. That was on the 2000 uh, Ravens Super Bowl team. He actually had died over this past week at the age of 55. Wally, you could not be in any worse of a position right now. For some reason, we shouldn't be having this type of energy talking about a death of the NFL. But it's mostly about how it's your perfect timing uh, or lack thereof in this situation. I hated Tony Siragusa, the football player with my entire heart. I couldn't stand him. I thought he was a meh sideline guy, but at the end of the day, you hear about all the stories about like the person, Tony Siragusa. He was a guy that his, I guess, personality was evident the moment he stepped into a room. He was a guy that everybody wanted to hang out with. He was kind of a fun-loving goofball. And I get that. I mean, he even joked about the hit that pissed me off so much about Rich Gannon. I think in the week leading up to that Super Bowl, he talked about during media week that he put all of his weight on Rich Gannon and my fat ass saw his eyes roll up or something to that effect. And that was a different era of football. And I understand the, like the nuance of it. Like, I'm pissed off and hate Tony Siragusa, the football player. But with that said, of course, 
I mean, he's a part of one of the best, if not the best defense of all time. And I mean, the man did die and I'm really, really sad for his family, but definitely a brutal soundbite calling him a fat fuck. What three weeks ago. Yeah. And like you said, I, I believe he died in his sleep. So it's just, obviously it's sudden. Um, there's a lot of people within the Ravens organization that were reaching out there on those teams. I mean, you got your Ray Lewis's your Shannon Sharps that, you know, really felt bad. And, and, you know, they, they had a good time. Like you said, he was just that life of the party. Someone who was so large is just larger than life. It felt like we always see those types of people. I like to, I like to categorize us as the same people. I wouldn't, I would do with Tony Saragusa. He's a couple notches above us, but just a great, great career spent, you know, spent a lot of it with the Indianapolis Colts and came on the back end here with the Ravens, finally getting that Super Bowl, 562 tackles with 22 sacks. And this is all after going undrafted mm -hmm. in your hometown, Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Panthers back in the nineties. I mostly remember him on the sideline. I barely, you know, he was an AFC guy his whole career. That's something you're going to be watching. And especially with the memories you have of, matchups against the Raiders and the Ravens I just remember him as the sideline guy he was an absolute goober people were just every time he the camera flashed to him people were laughing if it was either at home in the booth Troy Aikman and Joe Buck whoever it may be it's going to be heartbreaking but fun to kind of see what he was like in that 30 for 30 kind of towards as you know it's going to be the last moments of his life essentially so I want to see how entertaining that he still was up until then and the last thing I'll say about him here before we move on is he was a part of that uh, TV crew. I want to say it was Kevin Moose and Goose. And it was just, first of all, fun thing to say. Yep. But yep. And he had the unfortunate and tough task of he was basically still wired in and talking with the guys in a booth all game, not like our traditional sideline reporters. And he was doing it from the sideline. He was doing it from the back of the end zone, from the tunnels. It was almost an impossible ask, but they knew that they were, if somebody could do it, it would be a personality like Goose. And we've now seen 15 years later, alternate kind of broadcasts with the Manning cast. And I'm not saying it's a direct relation, but it does speak to how these organizations and media companies are constantly trying to grow. And they're only picking the personalities that they think can work. And that speaks a lot to the type of person Tony Siragusa was, especially off the field. It sounds like anybody that met him loved him. And this happened on the same day with our next story. They actually had someone who was currently on the roster, Ravens linebacker Jalen Ferguson, suddenly died at the age of 26. Um, he's leaving three young children um, right behind. And li literally, these, ha these reports came out within like five or six hours of each other. So it was a, someone they had gotten day two in the draft. He's an absolute steal. Something that, you know, as a football fan, the Ravens just churn and burn front seven elite players throughout the whole duration before Harborough era, and they're going to do it after as well. Um, someone that young, I don't know what the trend is this particular year of having young, it's either NBA or NFL players dying, but I'm not, I'm not about it, and it's just another heartbreaking story. And this also happens to be, like I said, within the same organization on the same day they had to deal with this. Yeah, this was a devastating couple of weeks here for Ravens fans. And this one has obviously on-field implications too. That are that's second, it's second fiddle by a long shot. But this was a guy that uh from all accounts of the players in the last week, very similar, where he lit up a room, always a positive guy, loved his children very much. And it it sucks too because 
this is a guy that looked like he was starting to figure it out on the field as well. And this year he had been talking that he really felt like he had a breakout season coming. And this is a guy that I forgot, uh, I guess, in the last couple of years. This guy nicknamed, by the way, one of the best football nicknames ever, Sack Daddy. He had set the NCAA sack record at Louisiana Tech with 45. And I remember like after the fact, when I heard that nickname, this is a guy, you mentioned the Ravens in their day two steals. I remember at the draft when everybody looks around at each other and we're like, of course it's the Ravens that get the all-time sack leader. <laughs> he goes to the third and he's going to thrive there. And it's a shame because we won't see. And you did mention it's been a really brutal offseason with young NFL players, especially losing their life early. And I, I don't know a lot of the actual uh, details around this, but it doesn't change the fact that it's just a devastating, sad story. And like you mentioned, you, you think about the three kids, most of all, losing uh, very young kids, losing their, their father and a very loving and attentive father, it sounds like. Let's get a little bit happier here. Let's talk about, we got the upbeat stuff. We want to get the horrible news out of the way. I'm sure all of you guys know, but if you don't, we want to keep you in tune here. Rob Gronkowski calls it, calls it a career after 11 season, uh, but spending the last two here at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The stats just speak for themselves. When he's on the field, the dude was an absolute beast. Wally, Rob Gronkowski. Hey, is this dude going to come back? Because I think he is. I don't, I don't think there's no way around it. He's just taking a year off, maybe six months off, and coming back midseason. But do you think he's coming back? And where is he ranked for the all-time for you? Well, first of all, A, I do think he's coming back too. I was listening to Around the NFL this week, and they're obviously a lot more dialed in with the players than we are. And it sounds like this was more of a Gronk wanted more money than they were going to pay him. So it's this almost under the table handshake agreement, come back halfway through the season, you'll still get paid, still have a chance to compete with Tom Brady to win a ring. But going to B, I know that you and I are a little off here. And I think some people might disagree with me, but I think Rob Gronkowski was the best tight end of all time longevity cost him a lot of things he's not going to end up being I guess the the top in touchdowns top in yards but I mean just a couple stats before we get into you because I think I have a feeling of where you're going Gronkowski tied for the 18th most games of all time 143 third most touchdowns fifth most yards and that doesn't even account for his postseason career where the guy, again, he went to five Super Bowls, won three, but five touchdowns in this game, or in those games, he was dominant. And the thing that I think is lost on a lot of people is that he was a dominant blocker too. When he was staying into block, you effectively added another tackle to your line. And when he would go out, especially early in his career when he was paired with, unfortunately, bringing him up, Aaron Hernandez, that tight end tandem had it not been for what Hernandez ended up doing would have been known as one of the best tandems of all time. And that was because of what Rob Gronkowski allowed Aaron Hernandez to do. I, I just don't think that you can even make a case that there was ever anybody that was more explosive and better when they were at the top of their game. If longevity factors in for you, I hear that out. I think there's only one other name I would allow ahead of Rob, Rob Gronkowski but for me, it's got to be number one. I think he's the best ever. So, and you, and you said a lot of them. He's one of six tight ends with over 9,000 yards. 
Uh, he's top five, right? He's only one of three tight ends that have 90 plus touchdowns. Obviously, Antonio Gates with what 116, and then he had Tony Gonzalez right there, over 100. But right there, right? Not only did he have what 18th in games, he had less than what was it? 621 receptions for all those stats. And Tony Gonzalez is leading everybody with 1325. And he had less than half of what Jason Wynn had for receptions, too. So the way that he was able to produce once that ball was in his hands was ridiculous. He was an he was and will be when he comes back an absolute monster. I just don't know if I'll go as far as saying he's the best. I'm not, you know, I'm not ignorant to the fact that the stats, what he can do, what he does when he's on the field, and especially what he does when he's healthy. That was the, that was always the thing. My favorite line, while you know it, the best ability is availability. And now I personally, Tony Gonzalez is my number one. I got I got Gronk right underneath. The numbers and the averages are way better for Rob. But overall, a lot of Tony Gonzalez has his longevity awards, right? Imagine if Gronk didn't miss three seasons of combined games. Basically, based off what he missed, it was about three seasons. Tony Gonzalez missing two games his entire career. That is ridiculous. Now, even if you take half those games that Gronk misses, I mean, my God, I can't imagine what those stats look like, let alone if he only missed two games like Tony Gonzalez. I will say this, though. I do have Gronk at number two. I don't know how long, though. Eyes are getting peeled for Travis Kelsey. That dude is an absolute monster. And I think that he has the potential of dethroning Rob Gronk as a number two. I don't know about as far as going over Tony Gonzalez, but you never know. He's still got some years to play there. And speaking of that, I also think Rob has some years to play to add a little bit more cushion and maybe finally be that third tight end to have not only 90-plus touchdowns, but 100-plus touchdowns as well. You, I'm probably talking to myself uh, or making a point for your side here, but Appreciate the other that. thing that you can talk about with Tony Gonzalez opposed to Gronk is that he did that with quarterbacks that were much – I guess, uh, worse than the Tom Brady's we're talking about for Rob Gronkowski and the, I guess, Patrick Mahomes for Travis Kelsey. I think that the problem for me is that Tony Gonzalez, and this is a good thing too, Tony Gonzalez and Kellen Winslow Sr. were kind of the pioneers at that position that turned it more into a wide receiver role where Rob was almost this perfect build of both. Rob Gronkowski's got to be one of the best blocking tight ends that actually could produce as a receiver too. And that's a large reason why he missed so many games. And you can't also penalize Rob Gronkowski, I guess, for having such a great postseason career because he was there. It's not his, or not uh, Tony Gonzalez's fault. He wasn't, it's not all Rob Gronkowski that he was, but it just happened. And you can't ignore the fact that Rob Gronkowski played in a ton of postseason games and it didn't drop off. He was better in the postseason than he was in the regular season, which is crazy enough to think. It turns into me, it's like the question of, is Emmett Smith, because he's the all-time leading rusher, better than Barry Sanders or better than Jim Brown because they played in such an abbreviated stint compared to him? I think that you could make the case again for uh, Gronk, the same for Barry, that when they were in their prime, there was no one that was even close to what they were able to do. And that's where I think I fall back and give him number one. 
No, absolutely. But when you think of consistency, I think that kind of goes into that mold as well. Yeah. I right? mean, Tony uh, G's, uh, I mean, I'm not knocking Tony G. Yeah, it's 1A, 1B. It's, yeah, yeah. It's hard. Exactly. It's it's very difficult. But no, right? You have more. But back then, you know, the tight ends weren't like Tony Gonzalez. You just get, or Antonio Gates, right? You just get these larger, these large dudes who essentially almost played basketball, and you just toss them to them in the end zone. That's why, that's why they have a lot more touchdowns than them. But – they also don't have the yards. They couldn't run the way that Gronk could. If, no one's getting him down. Hence why Gronk was getting a lot of the injuries because they were going strictly for anything that was below the waist, nail on the back, going for the knees, right? So it's hard, but I don't know. Maybe Gronk can come back for a couple more years and put some more numbers up and then change my mind. I don't know. Last thing, and I'll be done with this, is, and this is a point I think you can almost take for either side is that I mentioned that Gronk played the 18th most games by a tight end in NFL history. That's 143. Tony Gonzalez played the second most, only a game behind Antonio Gates at 270. So Tony Gonzalez played 127 more regular season games than Rob Gronkowski. And the numbers really aren't that far off career-wise, which is another thing I think that gives the edge to me to the Rob Gronkowski. Um, all I have to say is it was a different time. They weren't passing the way the way that they were with Tony Gonzalez. That's just that's just always a cop out in the argument. Uh, <laughs> different offensive schemes. Uh, they weren't, you know, the offense nowadays. Uh, you know, they can do whatever they want and get away. And get it away makes sports like these sports arguments are ridiculous because there's no purpose to it other than for morons like you and I to have something to talk about in the middle of June when there's no football. That's the point of these. And there's never going to be a definitive answer. Yeah. Well, we will never know who's wrong. That's, I guess that's just your discretion to be able to text us or message us and let us know who you think won. Moving on to the next one, we got Larry Ogunjobi signing a one-year deal, deal with the Steelers. So this is going to be his third stint with an AFC North team. As you know, Larry Ogunjobi had signed originally with the Chicago Bears, wasn't able to pass a physical because of an injury. Deal gets voided. Then he's kind of floating around, got to visit with the New York Jets, got to visit with the Steelers with finally being able to get a one-year deal here. And uh, now he's going to be able to replace Tyson Alualu. That's back-to-back times that he's been on the rundown. I've got it right. Uh, so <laughs> I'll take that. But Larry gets to go to the team that he grew up idolizing. Feels like that's also a trend this offseason. People get to go back to their hometown team that they grew up for. One-year deal, though, with the Steelers team that is des- in, an- in desperate need of having this position filled. What do you think of the signing, Wally? You mentioned it already, mentioning Tyson Alualu. This feels like the potential long-term replacement for him. Alualu's 35. The Steelers have about $40 million in cap space right now for the 2023 campaign. It feels like this is going to be more of a tryout deal. And the reason why it wasn't longer or bigger dollars is because they're still worried about that foot. And if he is able to get back, especially in that defense, he's going to be able to play all over the field. I mean, this is a guy that can line up inside as a nose tackle and bounce all the way out as a five technique with a team like this, with, I guess, how much skill they do have in that front seven, they can utilize him however they want. If they only want to play him 50% of snaps, then you're going to have an extra fresh Larry Ogunjobi. So this is a Steelers defense that is very good still, if they can stop the run. We know last year they fell off, but we talked about that last week. A lot of injuries, a lot of problems. This was a really sneaky Steelers typical move in the middle of June 
where I feel like everybody kind of just saw it and forgets about it. And then in November, we're like, holy shit, the Steelers defense is back to averaging like 18 points against and they're world beaters. And Mitch Trubisky has a nine and five Pittsburgh Steelers team looking like they might make the playoffs. Yeesh. But no, I mean, you said it best, especially in, in the run and the run defense, right? This is going to help a lot. You know, you bring in Larry Okunjobi, you're going to, you re-sign a guy like Trey Emmons, you get Mike Minka Fitzpatrick back in here, kind of like that middle section of where that nose tackle lines up and you just go straight back. That's basically filled up. They have some talent on here. We already know what they look like on the outside. I like, I like this defense and they're on top of having Mike Tomlin running it. You're going to have a heavy handed Brian Flores dipping in that as well. Watch out for this, this Steelers defense. I like this move a lot. And like you said, Ravens away from AFC North bingo. I'm rooting for that next off season. Now let's flip it over to, we are talking about the Ravens and let's flip it over to the NFC uh, affiliate there in the Baltimore, Maryland area. We got scary Terry getting an extension, just the latest wide receiver getting the extension that three year 70 mil fully guaranteed at signing around 34.6 putting a signing bonus at 28 mil. I mean, this guy's just been averaging a thousand yards each of his first three years, only 16 touchdowns, which I guess really isn't that great, but eight different quarterbacks in that mm-hmm. first three years, Wally. That's insane. I, I saw you put that on the rundown before. And after this, you asked on here, how many can I name? I think I could name like four or five, but scary Terry is first of all, he's a Buckeye. I love him, but he reminds me a lot of early in his career, Deandre Hopkins in the sense that he doesn't have people throwing him the ball and he's still putting up borderline elite numbers. If Carson Wentz can even get halfway back to his Philadelphia Eagles days, there's no reason to think that scary Terry can't have, thousand yard years consistently again throughout this contract and get a bigger one. But to answer your question, you post on the rundown. I know you didn't ask here people at home play along as well. He's had eight different quarterbacks in his first three seasons. Who are they? Who are they? So we know Taylor Heineke. We yep. know Dwayne Haskins. Yep. And already it's fun because it's like the carousel of depression in, in uh, Washington where All right, so he's been there for three seasons. This is, first of all, this is great podcasting, by the way. People at home are like, what the hell is going on? (laughs) This is so bad. This is so bad. I'm like literally spacing. (laughs) I should have done a little looking up so I didn't look like a complete moron, but you kind of floored me with this question. You might as well just tell me I wanted to be like this. I'm kind of just going off memory. Yeah, I truly, off the top of my head, of course, Taylor Heineke, of course, uh, Dwayne Haskins, and I'm going to kick myself, I'm sure, on like two or three of these. Oh, well, uh, Fitzpatrick, did he get one with him? Boom. Yep, I got couldn't one remember. Before, before yeah, because he, that was brutal too. Okay. I mean, there's some there's some obvious ones too. I know. There's at least one so extremely obvious. Joe Theismann Jr. Oh, Alex Smith. Yep. Okay, that's a good one. There's this gap Mir- in my head. Uh, miracle, the Minneapolis Miracle. Case Keenum was there, huh? Boom, yeah, 2019 is rookie year. <laughs> this is so bad. This is this is not good. All right, well, I'll, I'll live with the fact that I got five with help from you. Who are the other three? Uh, we had Kyle Allen. I would never have remembered that. Garrett Gilbert. Again, never would have remembered that. Colt McCoy. <laughs> That's not good. That, again, <laughs> this, 
<laughs> I is... had to go back and like actually I had to go through my roster of roster of like the 2019 season they may be able to scroll down and see how many games they started so I was like holy shit he has eight Garrett Gilbert playing an NFL game is still amazing. Just, Kyle, hey, Allen, just one of those things. Yeah, I know. Kyle, Kyle Allen, he had the like brief stretch, like every now and then you have a quarterback that has a decent couple games, and we're like, maybe this yep. guy can stick around. And then he fell off the face of the earth. I don't even remember. Oh, Colt McCoy, the the essential journeyman quarterback. Guy's got that. Uh, I guess I, he's like almost got the dream situation. The only problem for him is he played too much. Like Chase Daniel. To yep. me, is like the, the ultimate dream as a backup quarterback. He gets paid. He never gets thrown in the game, so you never have to worry about him. And he get and he's got a couple rings. Yeah, that's all he you need. A, he is like a not as cool version of Alex Moran from Blue Mountain State, just living the absolute dream of being the backup quarterback, raking it in. I'm sure he I'm sure he got his fair share of of ladies, you know, back in college as well as the first couple years in the league. I mean, you just don't see those types of people anymore. It's, it's sad. It is sad. But, hey, you know what? This is a fun time to – didn't tease at the top of the show. That's my bad. We're going to kick it first to the Kyle Butson interview. We're going to have you talk a little bit about that first, Steve. Tell us who Kyle Butson is, your relationship with them. But also, we are introducing a new segment called Schoolyard Pick, and we brought back on David Claben. He's going to be a guest picker with us. He, it was a fun, a blast of an interview there. Yeah. I got to edit your interview with Butts, and that was also a really fun one. But this is going to be a new little segment we're going to try to do here. Hopefully uh, get some positive feedback from you guys or negative. Whatever it is, let us know what you think. But first, Stephen, let us know about Kyle Butson a little bit, how you know him and uh, affiliation, all that fun jazz. Yeah, one Mr. Kyle Butson. So no, I've known him from – from college and coming from North Carolina and being a Packers fan, we were able to kind of instantly connect if it was between him as well as a couple of buddies and Brock Chamberlain and any other Lions fan. Cause I've never really been truly able to chirp with the Lions fan. Not that he's ever been able to chirp to me. So we kicked it off with what normal college dudes do. We, we just like to drink, talk a lot of shit, watch football, talk about football, fantasy football, watching, uh, watching every Sunday. He was, he was the head manager at the bar that, like our whole friend group went at all the time or went to every day where I lived across the street for two years. Um, had lived, also lived with a couple of roommates that worked there. So he was constantly at, over at the house. If we were kicking it, walking, watching his dog, or he was just kicking it after a shift before a shift, mid shift um, where a lot of people would come over just to pee because the bathrooms were disgusting. They'd run over to our house to go to the bathroom. That's how close we were. So um, no butts in for a while. Then obviously with the parlay princess herself, uh, Miss Abby Turner, abbyturnerphoto.com. Make sure to go check that out. Uh, no free ads, even though we'll let that one slide. But uh, yeah, always been a good friend. Lived in Toledo. He lives in Toledo now, making his way down to Florida. So needed to get a Lions fan on the horn to kind of put ourselves in his shoe, shoes for uh, for a few minutes. And I had a blast with it. Perfect. We'll send it over now to Kyle Button. And tonight on the Lost and Down podcast, today we have, I would argue potentially the number one viewer of the show listener since day one a one since day one as some people say close friend of the show close friend of yours truly right here even though it says wally lukashensky it's steve if you can't tell i have one detroit lions homer mr kyle butson butson cheers to you brother i know we were talking a little bit off you're off to florida here in three weeks but thank you so much for bringing the time to uh shoot the shit with me here a little bit bud 
Hey, Steve, thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to this all week. It's been the highlight of my day, so I'm excited to talk football. We're kind of in that lull in sports right now. I know other than the Stanley Cup finals where I'm just itching for some some pigskin. Yeah, no, I need it bad. It's uh, Now the NBA finals are done. Even hockey, I'm not even finding myself too entertained by it. If you're seriously someone out there is going to sit here and be entertained by baseball for the next six months, Garrett Blair, let's be real here. Uh, I think that you're an absolute psychopath, so I cannot no, wait. I, you know, I, I am kind of a baseball junkie. It's just tough because the, the Tigers are maybe the worst offense in baseball. And like most other Detroit teams, for our lifetime, just pathetic. And that's why we brought you here. There's not too many Lions fans that you come across, even – Living what you're, you're from Toledo, you're very close. But even I know a lot of Toledo people that stray away from trying to be a Lions fan. Now, you obviously got yourself, you got Brock Chamberlain. But that leads us great, great into the first question. Three division titles in the modern era. They haven't had any since we were born, essentially, in 93. It was the last time they had one. They've won one playoff game since 57. Now, can you put into words what it's like being a Detroit Lion fan? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, you know, in that time span, most NFL fans have seen their teams rise to some sort of success. Um, I will bring one thing up though. In 2014, the Lions played the Cowboys in the wild card always, game. Always has to be brought up. I love it. Yeah. Um, Brandon Pettigrew was pretty severely pass interfered with uh, late in the game with the Lions up. Flag was thrown. Pass interference was called. Des Bryant ran on the field without his helmet on, was not penalized for it, and then they proceeded after making the call to pick it up. Mind you, this was before they did any review or anything like that. I think it might yep. be the only time in history that they picked a flag up after making the announcement after the confirmation. Then um, we did go on to lose that game. Uh, I believe I was asked to leave a dinner at the time when I was watching that live because I was losing my <laughs> shit so much. Well, what type of dinner was it? Were you like with the family? Were you with the girlfriend's uh, family at the time? Was it like? Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Buca de Beppo in Florida. <laughs> yeah. I think that just that play right there, just right. I mean, that was going on. This is going to be what the ninth season since then. I will say, even though we like to, you know, tussle a little bit, you being a Lions, myself a Packers fan, we got your back that next game because for you guys that don't have the calendar, the follow, I'm pretty sure the following game was the Des Bryant. Was it a catch? Was it oh, not? Yeah, a catch it was. Game? It was. I'm pretty sure it was because it was like back to back. So we, we got your back on that. And that was just a domino effect of just. Yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll put my horrible play calling. I'll put my tinfoil hat on. I think that the league wanted the, the Cowboys to win that one. I don't know. No other explanation. There hasn't been too much. There hasn't been too much Cowboy love since that game. I'm just saying, even with Dak Prescott, what they're doing now, everyone's kind of on the downslope of, is this really America's team? It's been 30 plus going on 40 years since they've even sniffed the Super Bowl. They've uh, they've done such a great job in the last 10 years promoting the talent on those teams because I've even bought into like, yeah, the Cowboys should be pretty freaking good, and they just haven't been. What you stated was something that I really liked is you've seen a lot of the people have the lulls of the – of the franchise going up and down. They're winning, they're losing. You haven't really seen much. Now, we have a lot of Browns fans here. And with the Bills now, they were kind of that team as well, but they're turning into that title threat, and the Browns are going through the Deshaun Watson debacle. 
But all of a sudden, the Detroit Lions have been the de facto lovable loser of the league. Is that something that you're more proud of or maybe more ashamed of or just hate even having the title and conversation about it? You know, I've just kind of been waiting my turn. Um, so Abby and I have been, uh, you know, you guys have been great. Your support for Abby has been awesome. She's a huge fan of the show. Um, AbbyTurnerPhoto.com. Remember, go check out Abby, Abby Turner Creative. There it is. Um, but when we started dating, it was evident right off the rip that I was a football junkie. And she was cool with it because she was a big Ohio State fan. She's like, yeah, I'll get into the NFL. Um, and, you know, she wanted to pick her team. And I couldn't swing her to pick the Lions. And she actually picked the Bills. Um, she has family that's from Buffalo. Her, the B-line and Borski side of the family is from Buffalo. So she's like, you know, I'll be a, I'm going to be a Bills fan. Well, look what's happened to that franchise in the last four years. So that's what hurts the most, I think, is watching her just have, you know, happiness on Sundays when I, I do not. <laughs> you're you're going you're gonna to have a few. You're going to have a few. Now, obviously, Dan, Cam Dan Campbell comes in promise, promising kneecaps in his first season. I think that he delivered. I think Wally, you know, Wally can back that as well. The team record may have not proven that. But they were extremely competitive. You can feel the energy from week one when they had when they had that huge comeback against the I want to say the San Francisco 49ers, mm. super, super late in that game, obviously, ended with the loss. But what what is the expectation for Dan Campbell and the Lions this year? Like you said, you got the tinfoil hat on. I would like to see us be a five hundred team. I think that's a fair expectation. Um, I think there's no reason why we can't be above 500. I worry a little bit about our offensive play calling. Dan Campbell um, actually stripped Anthony Lynn of his play calling duties at the end of the year last year after we got absolutely waxed by the Eagles. I think it was before the bye week, like 44 to six or yep. something. Um, I lost a very big bet on that. I remember because I was, yeah. I was with the Lions just being the, being the team, the cover team. Good teams win, great teams. Well, cover. I mean, they, they were, uh, I mean, they were because they played really hard. Um, and it was up until, and again, shout out Abby for Christmas. She took me sat fourth row, maybe third or fourth row to that Cardinals game. And we beat the brakes off them and basically yeah, ruined their season. Right. They, they just spun out after that. Um, and then I think after that, we went on to be Oh three and one, but granted they sat, we sat golf. We had injuries all over the place, but it didn't feel like the tank was really on. And it really wasn't because we didn't, you know, we didn't end up with the first pick expectations I think it really matters how healthy we stay last year we lost Ragnow you know yep. that's all pro center Taylor Decker struggles to stay healthy DeAndre Swift I think is one of the most underrated running backs in the league as far as running between the tackles and his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield yep. um, and I was going to get into it a little bit later but we got some serious playmakers on the outside defense we'll see uh on top of, you know, after drafting Aiden and then JMO, we took all defense, except for I think we took a tight end in the mid-rounds, I think the kid out of Iowa. So the focus to build the defense is there. I think there is some confidence in that offense. We just got to stay healthy and figure out who's calling those plays. And like you said, you can add uh, Panay Suel to that, to that list of offensive linemen to arguably make them a top three, top five unit in the NFL heading into the year. Granted, with, you know, the injuries and, and what may happen, but you got T.J. Hawkinson, who, who's proven himself to be an NFL tight end. You have a, a great O-line. You got a great, not only running back in DeAndre Swift, but 
my guy, Jamal Williams, as well, is not too bad as as that second fiddle. Uh, Love him. He's awesome, like, isn't he? He's a goon. He is. He's just a good energy guy. He's a good yeah, guy to have in the locker room. Good, yep, good for the locker room. And he's great um, to have on fantasy if DeAndre Swift is hurt. Yeah, well, I tried that last year. I was trying to milk a couple lines, guys, but it never never plays my favorite. But I won't sway from I know. Him. I was trying to trade for him. You would never <laughs> give him to me. But I, so I will say I got some some statistics to throw at you regarding okay. our offense that I've been sitting on. So you talked about our offensive line, right? Ragnall is an all-pro guy. Decker's, yep. a, you know, he's a, a high-tier left tackle. Penny Sewell, after week five or six, I think, was the number two uh, pro football-focused rated tackle in the league, number two as a rookie. Um, you know who else was number two at their position at pro football focus in, as rookies? Amonra St. Brown behind Jamar Chase. Okay. He had a slow start to the season, but he finished just short of a thousand yards. He's got like a 95% catch guy. I think he can surprise some people. Um, You know, we got uh, Josh Reynolds and DJ Chark. Those are both six foot three guys. We got some size on the outside now. Um, And hopefully a healthy JMO, we can have some pretty serious firepower as far as you know, our offensive skill positions go. No, absolutely. And like you said, St. Brown, he was, an, he was a stud. You're putting those people around him. You got Josh Reynolds, who, for you, for those of you who don't know, spent some time with L.A. with Jared Goff his first time around there. So, yeah, they have a little bit of chemistry that they have, and they have the pieces. And it, and it all starts with the great old line that's going to be able to block for Goff. Give that guy time because he has a little yeah. bit of problems getting that ball out of his hand. Let's, let's at least give him some time. So, maybe that extra second is going to result in touchdowns more than interceptions. Now on the defensive side of the ball, like you said, he got Aiden Hudson, Aiden Hudson at two. He moved up with a division rival just to get Jameis Williams at 12 as well. But with Hutch, were you hoping that maybe you got Trayvon Walker instead and he was going to fall or, or were you just rooting for Hutch the whole time as the hometown guy, even though he went to Michigan? So this is a pro Buckeye podcast. That's, that's where we leave or at least start off is, you know, as a purebred Buckeye, that kills me to think that I got to cheer for this guy. Um, do I think Trayvon Walker maybe has more pure talent today? Absolutely. But do I think Aiden Hutchinson's doing the right things? You know, he's allegedly still staying at home with his parents. He's in the, you know, he's been in the facility every single day, and he really is a Dan Campbell guy. Um, the NFL really is a big culture organization and i think you got to have guys like that you know the future of the organization who buy in and promote so you know i'm biting my tongue a little bit and i think it might have been the right thing um i don't know if you saw the video of dan campbell getting all pumped up when they took trayvon walker at one so you know you gotta you gotta believe he knows what he's doing no and i think you said it best right there that's a dan campbell player and right now that's that's what you need you need someone to build into the you know into the organization and someone who's that hometown guy that's going to only make them work harder than having a dan campbell who he's going to mess with have him you know already kind of riding him now i know we kind of alluded to this with golf has some pieces around him i do want to ask you this i know you've listened to, to previous episodes is i know wally was is has a lot of pressure with zach wilson and said this is a make or break year for him do you think that there is more pressure on Jared Goff to perform with his current roster and what he has over Zach Wilson, or who, who do you think is in more pressure, under more pressure, I should say? I think if Jared Goff has a bad year, he can still 
end up with a few years in the NFL as a backup, just not with the Lions. I think Zach Wilson's really on the hot seat, which I don't know if is fair because I don't know if Zach Wilson has, you know, the pieces surrounding him that Jared Goff does. That's why I think it's so, so much pressure on Goff, just because we do have a top, I'm pretty sure a top five offensive line, all these young skill players, you know, Hawk, Swift, and all the receivers we just talked about. So I think the expectation is for Goff, especially as a veteran, right? You know, you got Zach Wilson's been in the league for a couple of years. He's been in a horrible organization. You know, the Lions have really invested in protecting and giving weapons to Goff. So he really has to perform. I wouldn't, I wouldn't shake a stick at who, uh, who Zach Wilson has to throw to, though. You know, you got – you have a stud in Corey Davis that you signed last offseason. But, you know, you had Elijah – you know, Elijah Moore, top 10 pick. You got your boy Garrett Wilson. You know, maybe there's a huge question mark there at tight end. But I think they're both under pressure. But, yeah, I'd have to agree. I think Jared Goff has proven himself well enough to fight for a backup position for mm. longevity with his career in the NFL. But – I want to stay on the quarterback discussion because you know it has to come up. I know we've talked mostly during the offseason and or during the season and the offseason around your your ex your ex-boyfriend here, Mr. Matt Stafford. Now he won the Super Bowl in LA first season. Seeing a guy like that, you know, obviously watching him his whole career up into that point, kind of like what he has gone through with the organization. Were you happy for him? Were you kind of salty? What were the feelings when you got to see Matt Stafford? It was very, very bittersweet, I'd say. I can't stand L.A. and New York teams. Like, it doesn't matter the sport. Like, why did it have to be the Rams? That's what hurt me is I probably would have been happier for them had it been anyone but the Rams. Uh, I was also cheering for the Bengals, bet on the Bengals. Still think that there's some pass interference on that last play. That seems to be the, the topic of discussion. That always comes back and bites you in the ass. A pass interference of some sort. Uh, yeah, there you go. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy for him. I mean, the dude took an absolute beating on some really bad teams. You know, he was playing through, like, broken ribs and shit on sub-500 teams. Yeah. A lot of guys would have just quit. Uh, you know, he's a Detroit guy. He carried that Detroit grit. And I don't blame him for not wanting to stick around for a rebuild this late in his career. You know, he's already got the shit kicked out of him. Uh, it's time to pass the keys to someone else for the, the rebuild. I, I understand. Now, what about kind of the subtle shot and the, the very obvious shot that he takes in Detroit in the AT&T commercial? I like Every that time commercial. I see that, I'm like, Butson's just got to be fuming. Like, grab me a beer. I honestly, I, I kind of like the commercial. It gave me a chuckle, a, a soft smile at first, but then they just played it 10 million times and it got it got old. Now I Now I despise it. Yeah, wait till the NFL season when it's still popular, and then it's just still going to drive you crazy. Underrated. Do you think Baker's still going to have that uh, State Farm <laughs> push? I mean, obviously, I haven't seen the ones at Baker's house, but I haven't. Uh, I can't remember if he had some in the offseason like last year, but I think that's when the Baker's house started rolling, like you said. Mm-hmm. But maybe there's going to be other ones. But yeah, you can't. Uh, I don't know. Maybe Deshaun Watson gets it, or if they're smart, they keep Baker. And they make it like Baker's massage parlor parlor just to kind of throw some shots at Deshaun and the Browns organization, even though they they probably are going to end up meeting him here sooner uh, rather yeah, than later. I'm, I'm just very glad I'm not a Browns fan. I, you know, when I watch what Baker did to that organization, you know, I'm, I'm not a Browns hater, but obviously because we're not in the same division. Right. There's no it's not like baseball where, you know, either way. Um, But my point being. 
Baker took them out of the trenches, and these people have just thrown him in the trash. It blows my mind. Yeah, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I haven't really been quite the Baker lover as of recent, you know, during the season, but he was in a lose-lose situation with that because he's, he's going to have a target on his back. Yeah, he's the most successful quarterback that, they, that they've had in decades. Right. But it's either you sit there and don't – it's a lot easier to tell him, oh, you should have gotten surgery. And they were saying that during the season, yes. But you sit there, get the surgery, team goes to shit, you know, probably don't make the playoffs like they did. And they're like, oh, well, Baker's a pussy. He can't do this. Or he plays through it and tries to show the grit. And everyone's like, oh, well, well, he he sucks. He's selfish. He should have done. It's like, okay, well, which one? One or the other, right? So it was a lose-lose situation. I think he's going to look bad regardless. But I think he's going he's gonna to get another gig. There's going to be someone trading after week four because of a horrific injury or a bad enough injury. Or maybe they're realizing that's not the guy that they need. Maybe he ends up, I don't know, maybe he ends up in uh, Washington because Carson Wentz fucks something up or they're like, wow, this guy really sucks. Or maybe they do end up in Seattle because Drew Locke's not the guy. If you want to, especially with Seattle hiring that offensive coordinator who's run first, why the hell would you not want to get Baker? That's all he's known in the NFL. That right. guy's going to be able to perfect that. But he's uh, he's not in a good situation right now. Is he in a better situation than uh, Deshaun Deshaun Watson is? <laughs> no, he ta- he no he's really uh, he's really set the president of that. He's setting the bar up so high that not a lot of people are going to get that. I doubt we'll ever see now, it. But I'm very curious to see you know with the recent news how much of that money that he just got signed guaranteed he's writing checkbooks right back out to these women. Well, he's got a big checkbook, so maybe he's under if he's a good. Obviously, he's not really that good of a negotiator. That's kind of why he's in this in this, uh, in this predicament in the first place. But yeah, he uh, good thing he got all that guaranteed money because you might as well just wire it straight from Cleveland to the women. Do I even make it the middleman of this, Sean? Yeah, they should just be right. I mean, they're committed to him, so they should just be right in the checks. We could have a discussion about that for about an hour. Yeah, I do need to ask you this. A couple quick things. Need predictions. I'm getting you out of here. The Thanksgiving unis. Wally is a diehard fan of the Thanksgiving unis. In his quotes, I'm an old man, but I miss the faded blue and the old lion on the on the uniforms. He's in love with the Thanksgiving uni Thanksgiving Day unis. How great are they? How much do you love them? Or are you actually a, a shadow hater? Uh, I love the I love the Thanksgiving unis. Um, my sneaky favorite unis are the blacks. I don't know if you remember. Oh, those are. Like, those, they had those during like the Jim Cald- Caldwell days, yep. not too long yep. ago. Who I think the the Lions did dirty. We actually had a decent squad with him at the helm, uh, but yeah, I, I I sneaky like the Blacks. I hope they make a comeback, and I I'm excited to see because the NFL did lift the one helmet rule, correct? I thought I saw something, but I think that would be great for the league if they would let them at least once or twice a year uh, do some sort of helmet alternate. I think the the Lions with their color scheme could definitely do some cool stuff. I need, I'm surprised we haven't seen an old, like, I know Green Bay's tried to, but like the leatherhead type look mm-hmm. where it looks like it's just actual leather instead of just like the beige color of it or whatever. But those Thanksgiving, oh my God, those Thanksgiving Day unis, I don't know why I'm having such a problem with that. They're crisp. Just the blue, the silver helmet, the solo line on one. I yeah. love them. But what are you going to do? You That's can't say stuff. Barry or Calvin, but who is your favorite Detroit line ever? And if you say Matt Stafford, you got to go again. You're killing me. 
I know, I know it's, I know that that bucket is scarce, but that's what I'm be- saying. You know, you're making me pick out of, uh, you know, well, let's see the Owen 16 team, the, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, you big Curtis Painter guy or no, yeah, that was the um, I can't, I can't pick between them. I was a big Darius Slay guy when he was with us. I thought he was, you yep. I thought he was the shit. I don't know, but you just said it. It's, it's been tough for me to really latch on to someone without it being a Stafford, a Calvin. Um, honestly, you know, I can fake that Barry is one of my favorites, but I was so young at the time. I was usually playing yeah. my own football games on Sundays. I didn't really get to watch a lot of that in real time. I, don't know. I think my, my favorite Lions player might be on the team right now. We'll see. Okay. Yeah. That, well, that was going to be my follow-up question as well. It's like, if you have a guy like one, like who's your favorite, who's your favorite guy now? And two, who's one that we should watch our, we should keep our eye on for this season that you think is maybe going to make that jump can't you can't say swift for that one i think he's already made that jump for those who are in tune with football he's he's made that jump about the last season i think swift swift and swift and hawk you know those are both top you know if you're looking at the pedigree of the nfl those are top top tier guys it's it's kind of lame to pick an offensive lineman but i'm excited to see what penny sewell's career turns into because he if you once so he played on the left side a little bit and kind of struggled to start the season because taylor decker was hurt as soon as he flipped back to his natural side on the right side he was a monster and you know we talked about that old line a little bit and i'll try and keep this brief but jonah jackson former ohio state buckeye was a pro bowler last year a lot of people didn't recognize that so we got an all pro a number two rated Offensive lineman, a pro bowler, Taylor Decker, and we'll see what happens with Vitae on the other side. But, you know, we that offensive line should be really fun to watch. Um, I think the person on the hot seat this year is going to be Jeff Okuda, another Buckeye. Um, you know, he's been plagued with injuries his first two seasons, and yeah. in his small sample size, he hasn't looked great. But, you know, he has – you know, he checked all the boxes. It's his third year. Let's – Let's see what you can do, Ken. Third year lead, baby. Yep. Let's see what you can do. Before you go, who wins the NFC North? Some kind of I'm wishwashy myself on who I think is going to win it. I mean, I'm big on I'm big on the Bears. Might be one of the worst teams in the league. Poor Justin Fields, man. They're giving that boy no help. I think the Vikings. You know, like the Kirk Cut. You know, you're going to get what you get with the Vikings this year. I'm, the I'm greatest sure. contract negotiator ever. Ever, 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 ever. We'll see, you know, Dalvin Cook, knee problems, getting later, you know, shelf life of running backs are usually pretty short in the NFL, and I think he might be on the other side of the hill. I'm interested to see how the Packers do, but I don't see any reason why the Lions can't win the division with a slightly above 500 record, you know. I think that's well within the cards. Yeah. Are you are you just gonna stick home? You, are you taking the lines to win it? I mean, I have to, but I think I can justify it. Well, well, be a man. Go travel over the Michigan border and put twenty on it. That's got to be some good odds right now. It's in my backyard. I'll 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 even throw twenty on it for you. Okay, we'll do a little split. That that'll be that'll be a nice uh, that'll be nice some tea to be sipping on after I was just shitting on them all last year about taking the <laughs> under four and a half. So. I'll take that. I'll take yeah, that. that burned me. That burned me because I drank a little bit of the Kool-Aid last year, and I shouldn't have. But this year, I think I can support it. Um, <laughs> you, you never do it the first year. You got to wait till you see, and then you. But yeah, I'm I'm sipping the Kool-Aid with you. I'm I'm. It's topping the drink off right now. Well, and 
I imagine we're going to talk Super Bowl here shortly, but I think the NFC as a whole is going to struggle this year. I think it's going to be a, a, a sloppy division. A I think there's three, maybe four teams in the um, in the AFC West that would probably win every division, except me. You know, so you know, my my pick out of the NFC is probably the Rams, right? Like, you know, you spend ten yeah. billion dollars, you that's the expectation. Coming out of the AFC. Uh, I, I hope the West is a bloodbath because I don't really like any of those teams. Oh, it is. I used the to, AFC I used to, West will be a bloodbath. Right, yeah. Bloodbath, other than just the whole conference. Right, that's what I mean. The whole conference is just – I mean, I imagine they're just going to beat the hell out of each other because, I mean – and I was a closet – not a closet. I was a Chargers fan as a kid. I was a huge Ladanian Tomlinson yep. fan. I just thought the helmet, the dark visor was the coolest thing ever when I was like 11. Those light blues, baby. Yep. So, you know, I, I, I sneaky, I sneaky cheer for the, uh, the chargers to do well, but I think the bills, I think this is a, a very important year for the bills. It's either kind of make or break uh, for what the next two or three years for their organization are going to be, you know, is Josh Allen going to be a, a great quarterback because he's got the pieces or they, you know, are they going to plateau a little bit? So I, I'm calling Rams bills this year. Rams bills. I like that. I, I'm toggling. I'm toggling between the Rams or the Bucks because I think Rams, Bucks, Philadelphia can be kind of sneaky good. And I really yeah. You guys were talking about who was talking about Philly last week? Was that Wally screaming about him? Surprisingly, it was Wally. As much as he throws a lot of hate throughout the uh, throughout the entirety of LOD, he uh, he threw some he threw some love at them and calling them a Super Bowl contender. That's why. I, I, I mean, I guess like in the NFC, that that's a lot a lot easier. Well, Right. That, right. That, it's an absolute joke. I don't want to give Wally too much confidence. With that, that's going to end it. Kyle, get back to work, man. Will you fucking do something for once, man? I got two things. Please. Million dollars cash, no tax. You can have my leg beneath the knee. Million bucks. I'm cheaper than you guys. A million? A million. It's beneath the knee. There's good technology. As long as I'm not See, getting taxed not- on it. I'll take a million. <laughs> that's the biggest thing is not getting taxed, but it, no, it's above the knee. It's the knee down. I'm pretty yeah, well, sure. That's, what, that's what I mean. That's below the, right below the knee. I'm still, I still got a little stub. I can hop, hop on a prosthetic. I'll be all right. What's the first thing. What's the first thing you're doing with the million dollars? Uh, moving my condo from West Palm beach to probably Miami. Well, then that's all your money. So you should have done 2 million at least. Nah. All right, what's your second thing? Uh, second thing, you guys are fucking haters. Little Caesars is not that bad. Oh my god, we are not. You waited till the end to bring this shit up. Yeah, because I listened last week and it pissed you guys went like on for like nine minutes about it. It's like it's a five dollar pizza. It's not that bad. It's my, not that good. It's actually not good at all. I think it's. I think bang for buck, it's better than Pizza Hut. Pizza Hut is trash. Get that shit out of here. Dude, I I don't like either of them, but like well, I would, I'm all right. I'm, I agree with you and your sentiment that all chain pizza is pretty garbage. But I don't think Little Caesars deserves the hate that it gets. When's the last time you had a deep dish from Little Caesars? Uh, hell, I'm not getting a fucking. Deep go get the five. Go. It's like Detroit style. It's Detroit style. It's not even deep dish. It's Detroit style. They got like a five dollar lunch combo. Your little personal. Bro, I worked. I worked at Jets for three years. I'm not going to go to Little Caesars. I feel like I'm cheating on it. And plus, I can't. I can't even eat the Detroit style anymore. Like I physically gag because I ate too much of it in college. Well, Jets I, like, is the best. Jets, Jets is the best Detroit style pizza that I've ever had. I think. 
That's my favorite kind of pizza. I didn't, I didn't ruin it for myself. There you go, Jets. You just got a you just got a free uh free live read right there from Kyle Butson himself. Hey, I'll finish with this Detroit style pizza, Little Caesars headquartered in Detroit. Lions are gonna make a splash this year, baby. NFC champs. <laughs> NFC, NFC, NFC North. Okay, there we go. There we go. That's more realistic. Now, I'm really excited to actually welcome on this new little bit of a segment we got here. It's our schoolyard pick. If you guys are familiar, and I'm sure most of you are, Pardon My Take has kind of done this Mount Rushmore format for like five years, and it's taken the sports world by storm this time of year because it's June, and there's really not a lot to talk about unless you're pulling out too much uh, mini camp stuff or really trying to overlook at rosters. So we're going to actually do a very similar thing, just different name. We're going to do strictly NFL stuff during this off season here. And what we're going to actually do, we can't do a snake with just two people. So we have to welcome on a guest, David Clavin, our first recurring guest. He's going to be coming on as a guest picker here. Before we started recording, he picked the order. He'll be picking first. Steven will be picking second. I will be third in a snake. So before we get going, we have to at least hear a little bit what's going on with your life here, David. We haven't talked to you here in a few months. How are things going on your end? I hope you're excited to be here. I am very excited to be here. Very happy to be back. I, I thank you and Steven for bringing me back. Uh, life is good. I cannot complain. The last couple months have been uh, pretty grand uh, outside of the dark cloud over my favorite football team, but we don't uh, have to get into that again. <laughs> and speaking of that, it's up to you guys. I'm not going to put the dark quarterback on my list. It's nothing to do oh, with I'm football. Not. He, I, yes. I went based off of, I'll tell you right now how I based my research, and it was all based off of 2021 stats and 2021 stats alone. If somebody was injured or didn't play, I didn't even include them in, in my research. Well, there you go. All and, right, so we're strictly. And also, it's the quarterback of the dark of where the dark clouds at you just said dark quarterback you can't say that nowadays Wallace. let's, let's make sure let's make sure we're correct here that's All fair right? yeah you know i probably i probably set myself up for that one that's on me <laughs> but that's perfect well, what we're gonna do is we're gonna do basically then the quarterbacks that we deem would be best this next year whether you want to choose that as in a vacuum whether you want it to be on your own team up to you guys i just gotta warn you ahead of time my list there's gonna be no pandering I'm pretty sure it's going to be hated when we put this up to a vote because I'm going strictly on me. If I think a guy is worthy of five and everybody else out there thinks he's 23rd, I don't give a shit. This is the Wally pick. So I hope you guys are ready to go with that. David, our guest, number one pick here. Who are you going with? Who are you opening up the quarterback schoolyard pick with? Oh, uh, the easiest choice of all time, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I don't really think I have to explain that one, but for the sake of explaining it, uh, you know, if you've been alive the last three years, you know that he's God's gift to the earth in terms of the quarterback position. Um, last year alone, top five in, in passing yards, attempts, completions, touchdowns, first downs, 20 plus yard plays, 40 plus yard plays, um, not bottom five in any statistic at all. He's just, you know, the easiest choice for number one overall for me. Well, and that's coming off of what we thought was a quote-unquote bad year for Patrick Mahomes, and we were doing the what's wrong with this guy, and he was top five in everything, like you said. 
Yeah. I, I think at least I can finishing, say for me, he was one on my board. a year with 43 touchdowns on a bad year is uh, pretty, pretty elite, if you were to ask me. I can completely agree. He was number one on my board. So, you know what? At least for my Wally value here is a good pick. Steven, I don't know if you want to add to that, but you're also up with the second quarterback here of the schoolyard pick. Well, of course, you know, I was on, I was on a huge Pat Mahomes hate train last year. But, yeah, at the end of the day, top five in everything, the amount of touchdowns he had for a horrible season, he just is now as much as I don't like this guy, having the LeBron James effect early on, where, you know what, that 35-8-8 eight eight just isn't enough for me. That's not really doing the trick averaging. But uh, that's Pat Mahomes that we have, and he's going to kill it. For my second pick, you know I'm already going to go with. Since Mahomes is off, oh, I don't want to hear it from you. I know we're going to hear some bullshit from you later. Uh, my man, Aaron Rodgers, fresh off a back-to-back MVP here. Uh, you know, how could you not pick him at number two? You have Tom Brady, who has been battling that as well. He was he led a lot of categories last year, but I still want, just want to go my boy, Aaron. If Pat's going to be picked early, how could you not back up Aaron? I'm going to see potentially a 3 P at MVP, which would be amazing. No Super Bowl, nothing. That team's going to be eh. We'll see how he does it without Devontae. Now your boy, but I'm going to pick Aaron Rodgers at number two here. I have a fun stat, actually. I accidentally stumbled upon today when I was researching this, even though we kind of figured who was going to be taking Aaron Rodgers. Between 2011 and 2015, so this is Devontae's first two years in 14 and 15, Aaron Rodgers never had a QBR of 100 in the postseason and only averaged 6.6 yards per completion. But once you got into the third year and beyond Devontae, he never had a QBR lower than 103, but once in average, almost eight yards per completion. Aaron Rodgers, not to say that he needed somebody like that, but it just shows how, I guess, special it can be when you put an Aaron Rodgers and a Devontae Adams together. Well, I think we already have that there too for uh, like Aaron Rodgers. You know, he can fit a ball into any any window in the NFL, no matter what it is. He's he's incredibly accurate. He's got incredible arm talent. But I think that statistic goes more so to say with if you give him a guy who can separate, he's going to be unbelievable. And the chemistry is going to be huge going into Derek Carr, where it took that third year leap. It's it maybe is going to take the third game with Derek Carr and. And Devontae Adams. So yeah, that's a that's a awesome fact. And maybe that's a little bit of foreshadowing over there in Vegas for you then. I'm just saying, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying, Derek Carr, I told you guys before, and everybody at home is probably waiting here, like, is he gonna pull the trigger at three? I can't quite do it. However, I feel like I could talk myself into it because that's how high I am on Derek Carr. But my first pick has to be Joe Cool, Joe Burr, Joe Shiesty. Joey franchise, smoking Joe, jackpot Joey. I mean, this guy is 30 games into his NFL career. And what he did without an offensive line, the jump he made from year one to year two, 108 QBR last year, and all he's going to be throwing to again this year is three, uh, possibly the best trio of wide receivers out of any team in the league. I, I mean, I understand the belief that the Bengals aren't going to be able to duplicate that success this year. And that's fine. I mean, your expectation then is Super Bowl or bust. I think you're going to see these MVP kind of numbers from Joe Burrow permanently now. And I think I'm getting him a year early this high. I think people would put him a little lower. I'm already at the point. I think this guy's the elite of the elite. So I'm taking Joe Burrow. He was number two on my board. 
Any comments before I wrap around the snake here and hit up with the four? I uh, I think the most, as I was doing my research on Joe Burrow on last year's statistics, so guy was sacked 51 times, and you'd think, right, your, your offensive line is terrible. You'd think that, okay, let's design really quick plays, right? Quick plays, uh, you know, slants, whatever, to get the ball out of his hands before – his offensive line inevitably lets some 300-pound monster through, right? Joe Burrow led the league in yards per attempt and completion percentage. So not only was he throwing – not only was he extending plays that you just don't see because he was sacked so much, he was doing it downfield, and he was doing it at the most accurate – complete, like at the most accurate rate in the NFL. I think Joe Burrow, to your point, I think you're you're a year early, but I think the minute Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers retire, he's the second best quarterback in the NFL, and there's not much debate about it. And they got a bunch of O-line help in this past offseason, so that's that's yes. going to help. And keeping that trio wide receivers. Now, yeah, you do lose C.J. Uzma, but how much, how big of a loss is that? But, man, oh, man, Joe Burrow, that, that kid's something else. Hey, he's oh, yeah. got some wheels on him, too. Don't forget that. We've seen him get some wheels on him. Yeah, and he was even earlier today, they were talking about how he wants a higher overall speed on Madden. The guy's an 83 right now, and he's bitching about it. So, I mean, (laughs) the guy's not short on confidence. We've known that for quite a while with the kid. But then this is crazy that he fell into the second round, and I get to be the guy to swoop him up. I got to take the greatest of all time. Yeah, he's losing Rob Gronkowski, but Tom Brady, I really, kind of like you, David, like diving into these numbers a little bit, I really was expecting – more of kind of like a, a natural fall off over the last few years. I mean, the guy's 45 years old and it really hasn't happened. The only really down year for him was his last year in New England. I mean, there's not really been a noticeable drop in yards per completion, touch on interception rate. You can't bet against father time unless it's against Tom Brady. So I think I'm going to get one more really good year out of him and possibly his final year in the NFL. Tom Brady's the curious case of Benjamin Button. I don't – his first, like, 10 years in the league, he was a fringe top-five quarterback and had a bunch of Super Bowls. And then his second 10 years in the league, he's, you know, the best quarterback in the NFL until Patrick Mahomes comes on the scene. He's winning at a greater rate. He's putting up ungodly statistics. And I think his third 10 years in the NFL <laughs> is going to be – Equally as great. I don't understand how he keeps getting older and then simultaneously better. It just doesn't make sense to me. He's like a fi- he's like a fine wine, and it also helps going to Tampa where it's warmer on his you know arthritic joints. Uh, he's got a better old line, better people around him. So yeah, I, he's a, he's the anomaly. And what's what's hope that this is his last year? I will say that. In fine wine, it's too bad the guy can't drink it on his TV twelve diet. It's probably why he's sticking around so long. He's got that avocado tequila, whatever that. Whatever he had. You can't drink that. It's not. I'd be shocked if he drank that outside of winning, outside of a Super Bowl celebration party. That man's a psychopath his body. Yeah, leaning on his teammates. That's what got him there. So, I mean, hey, you can't knock the guy. I'm surprised. I got him. Like I said, I'm fired up with my first two here, but let's wrap it around here. Steven, your second pick. Who you got? Who'd you wait? Your first two? Did you end up with Tom Brady? Yeah, well, what do you think I just was talking about? We just decided to chat about oh, Tom Brady for the last few minutes. You, I didn't hear you sneak that in. That's perfect. So now you're kind of have me, you kind of have me in a in a standstill. But I'm gonna, I want to kind of throw the wrench uh, first one in this draft. Just, I know a lot of people are probably gonna think Josh Allen, easy top five. 
I'm going for my man, Jay Herbie, out there for the Los Angeles Chargers. Someone I was always huge on. He was a dark horse MVP candidate for me heading into last year. I mean, what, after 5,000 yards following up, setting the rookie uh, passing record, this kid is unstoppable. And outside of, yes, he didn't make the playoffs, outside of those fourth down calls that were out of his control, he could have been in the playoffs. Maybe he could have been in the AFC Championship game, making a little bit of noise. I don't know. Maybe it would have been a Chargers-Bengals or a Charger, an all-LA Super Bowl potentially. But I'm going to go with Herbert this year. He's got his boy Mike Williams locked up. Keaton Allen, top three route runner in the league and number one underrated wide receiver in the entire game. I think they get it done. They bolster their O-line. Not his fault that his defense couldn't stop the run all year. Okay. I thought of you, David, when I was making up my list here, because Justin Herbert, to, or to me, I imagine is a lot like Joey Burrow to you, where I went into this hoping to God I was going to be able to pinpoint some holes and be like, this guy's not as good. Because I've been on that train for year, like the last two years that he's not the guy yet. And like to Steven's point, I mean, the guy's just been almost like a model of consistency since he's been in. He's got one of the most underrated wide receivers to him. And it's just, it's frustrating too, because I have to give him even another bit of credit that I don't feel like anybody talks enough about. He's effectively played every game in his career on the road. He doesn't have a home environment. So it's almost just like extra burden. We saw Philip Rivers towards the end of his tenure in LA, or I guess in San Diego, that's hard on quarterbacks and it takes a lot. So the fact that he's being able to, to put up the numbers he has, to look as good as he has this early, you know it's only going to get better. So uh, I had I I love the Herbert pick, but I had him tied, and I'll I'll share my board here. I had him tied with Derek Carr, as I could pick either one of them at six, just outside the top. Either one of them, number mm-hmm. six. I you, I don't care. It's it's the right pick. Uh, I love Herbert. The only thing that holds him back for me from being top five is. I think he throws uh, a lot of interceptions in relation to the other top five quarterbacks that I have. He throws more interceptions than those guys. And he's a little bit, you know, he's a gunslinger. There's nothing wrong with that, but he's a little bit more loose with it than those other guys that I have on my list, which is why I had him tied for Derek Carr at six, but I agree. I think he's a stud. I think the only thing I think, where our mindset comes from where it's like, I don't think he's the guy yet is I think the chargers curse of we have the best roster on paper in the NFL every single year. But for some reason we can't win more than nine games. <laughs> I like, I, I, I don't, I don't know if that's what holds him, holds him back in fans mindsets, but that's, I think maybe what gets me is like at the end of the year, you're not watching him every game. Most people aren't watching him every game. So all you really see is the wins column. And then you don't really see the fact that he was like, second in the NFL in yards or, you know, fourth in touchdowns or third in touchdowns or something. And all you really see is, oh yeah, he's the quarterback that led the chargers to whatever nine or 10 wins, whatever they had last year. And, and yeah, he's okay, but he's not, he's not elite. Right. Uh, But, you know, after looking at the stats, like you said, Wally, he is unbelievable. It's just, I held him back because I think he just the interceptions in relation to everyone else in my top five, keep him just outside but again when people retire he's an easy top five choice well i'm gonna put a bookmark in what you just said uh about the i guess watching games and coming back because one of the guys i think that one of us will draft 
whether it be later in this third or fourth round, I had very similar thoughts when I started like looking at it. I'm like, dude, I like have convinced myself there's this drop off or there's something missing. And it's just sometimes I feel like these guys, I, I guess as a Derek Carr fan, I relate to you kind of almost think less of them because of team success, which I guess comes with the territory as quarterback. Now, David, let's hear what your last pick in a second, your first pick in a third. Oh, I'm going against my my better judgment here. So on stats That's alone, we're all about I'm gonna really. tell you, I'm gonna tell you my first my pick, my two picks first in a row, and then I'm gonna explain it all. My two picks are Josh Allen and Derek Carr. So if you go based off of stats alone last year, I, even I test just last year. Matt Stafford is my fifth best quarterback in the NFL. And that might seem shocking, but he was a top five quarterback in yards, yards per attempt, touchdowns, uh, first downs, first down percentage, uh, 20 plus yard plays, 40 plus yard plays. And he was league average in, in not taking sacks. So the only thing he was bottom five at is he led, he was tied for the league lead in, in uh, interceptions. So, again, gunslinger mentality, stats alone. Stats alone, Matt Stafford round out my top five. But Matt Stafford, knowing his entire career, probably a seven or eight best quarterback in the NFL his whole career, put on an ungodly roster and performed like a fringe top five quarterback. If you look at it from that perspective, not that shocking at all uh, from those statistics, really. So I'm not taking him because I think if I wasn't looking at numbers alone, if it was a straight eye test, Matt Stafford wouldn't be in the top five. And I'd probably slide Josh Allen, Derek Carr, or Herbert in there. Um, Derek Carr is my, my slide in for, for number five on the fly and, and Josh Allen right after it, since you already drafted Herbert, but. I'm proud of you for that, by the way. It just feels better to hear second rounder instead of third. <laughs> so, so shockingly, I don't think Derek Carr is a, is a, as a five fringe five with Herbert is, is really that shocking at all. I mean, if you really break it down, the guy's been more so consistent. He's had some inconsistent games, but why he's not below Josh Allen is because Josh Allen's the most inconsistent quarterback in the NFL. As far as I'm concerned, he goes from, having you know those jaguar performances where he throws three interceptions and one touchdown for you know 89 yards or whatever horrific performance he put together in that game to being you know 350 yards four touchdowns two rushing touchdowns like he he's just all over the board in terms of consistency and so i'd rather have i know Derek carr is just slightly more consistent over time than Josh Allen, and that's why I'd rather have Derek Carr. But, you know, that one's also for Wally, too, because I know that that also gets him a little upset he can't draft his boy. But No, yeah, you're, the joke's on you. I, I'm I 6 say, to 12 right now because you took him. Here's, here's the weird <laughs> thing about Josh Allen when you break down his statistics, too, why I wouldn't have him over Carr is Carr was, was top five in um, six areas, uh, passing yards, top five in the league in attempts, completions, completion percentage, 20 plus yard plays, 40 plus yard plays. He was bottom five in one area and that was taking sacks. Could be a handful of different things, right? Josh Allen was top five in only four areas and it was attempts. 
first downs and he took the least amount of sacks and the sec like the third or fourth least amount of sack yards. Those were his top five areas. His bottom five areas were yards per attempt. So he was throwing shorter, short of the sticks so much more than the top, the other 24 QBs I looked at. And he was doing it at a completions percentage of 63%, which is bottom five. It's, I think it's bottom. Yeah, it's bottom five. He rounds out the, the bottom five in completion percentage. And the only guys worse are Trevor Lawrence, Baker Mayfield, Jalen Hurts, and Carson Wentz in completion percentage. So I look at that, and then I look at he's throwing interceptions. Well, if you're throwing short of the sticks that much, and, and you've got a 6.8 yards per attempt, how are you throwing that many interceptions? It's because you're inaccurate. And so I, I, you break down Josh Allen, and he looks really flashy in the games he's great. But, like, when you look at the overall stats, and maybe I'm just not watching enough Bills football, he, he doesn't crack my top five, and I never really considered him top five for me. Steven, before we get your next pick and your thoughts on this too, a couple quick notes uh, on both of those guys. Josh Allen, again, like you said, I'm, first of all, thrilled that someone else is going to take the heat off of me of – talking shit on Josh Allen on here, but he's a guy that regressed last year in the regular season, but because the bills were so good, it was almost like a reversal of what we were talking about with Justin Herbert. But then you get to the playoffs and the games that everybody's watching and Josh Allen had the two games of his life and they lost because of a coin flip. It's like a question of what Josh Allen are you getting? I think it's a good spot for him. As for Derek Carty, only thing that really, because I don't really knock him too much and I probably need to be more fair towards it is that he struggles in the red zone always has. And a large part of that for me is the weapons. And this year he's finally going to have Devonte. It's going to open up Darren Waller in the red zone. Cause for the longest time, he's basically bracketed. And now you should see an improvement, but if he doesn't, that's his big flaw in his game. Last year, he was about 56% completion in the red zone. Those numbers drop as you get closer, but it's a, a part of the game that has to get better. You mentioned the sacks. Part of that is on him. Part of that is a line. Line should be marginally better. We'll see. The red zone point there, I think, so it's tough, right? Because you don't really know because the Raiders have never really had like a really, really, really good running back in the, like in the Derek Carr era. True. Um, you know, at the peak of his powers, not maybe end of career Marshawn Lynch or, mm-hmm. or, rookie Josh Jacobs who maybe had it but like not really I, I think if the Raiders had and now they do they have Devontae Adams if they had previously an end zone threat or a running back that you knew they were going to run the ball three out of four attempts I think his numbers would drastically increase because I think that's the difference in most of the quarterbacks above him is they've always had either a weapon uh, at running back or at receiver or both. Dude, so tr- I mean, we're talking about a guy that made Nelson Aguilar come back to life, a guy that brought Jared Cook's career back to life, Michael Crabtree at the tail end of his career. Amari Cooper's the only decent receiver he's ever really been throwing to. This should be, in theory, a big jump for him. Well, it's a, I think like it's, and I, I can make the argument about both things. I'll start with Derek Carr's like, what Vegas team are you going to get? What Raiders team are you going to get? Yeah. Uh, you can never have a complete O-line. Like, the defense has just been – I know when you – by the time John Gruden was hired, his team has given up the most points. 
in like the duration of like that four or five years before he got fired this past year. Like they can't stop a nosebleed. Doesn't matter if you're putting up 25 to 32 a game. If you're allowing 38, then you're you're fucked every game. So it doesn't matter. But yeah, to your point, I've said it the whole offseason. O-line is still a big question mark. But other than that, you have the pieces offensively, if that's in the backfield or outside on um, wide receiver or tight end. And then defense, now you got Max Crosby paired up here with Chandler Jones, like my goodness, there's a lot of good defensive pieces that are there. And then we'll go over to the to the Buffalo Bills. I mean, I couldn't agree more with David, even though I'm a big Josh Allen guy, as you know it, but he is he is the opposite of just he's on one side of the spectrum with the Jags game, next side just putting up the numbers he does in the Chiefs game. I think it also speaks on the on what the Bills team was this past year because that's just who they were. They were just a fancier Pittsburgh Steelers. I played the level of my opponent, and sometimes I really just shit the bed here. Because they're, if we look at it, their schedule was extremely easy. And the division they were in last year before Miami got hot, that was just an absolute joke. And then towards the tail end of New England kind of getting cold there. So I think those are two really great picks. I like Josh Allen over the Derek Carr, too. I don't think that'd be a hard debate. I That's easy. He's got he's got the more mobile legs. I'll take that. Ah, whatever. You can For the same it. reason, though. They both, do, they both have shitty old lines. They both have to run. All right. Well, that's fine. I, I have a feeling I know where you're going to go with your third pick here, but let's make it official. Oh, you do. I, I've scratched this off like three to four times. Let me get this right. I'm going to kind of throw a surprise in here strictly because of what I've just heard in the offseason rumblings of what the offense will look like this year under new head coach. I'm going to go with Kurt Cousins what? as my third pick here. Yes. Wow. Boom. Roasted. I love it. Honestly, he he had more yards in the previous than the MVP this previous year. Uh, the only person that has more, I mean, everyone that has been already taken before him, yeah, they had more yards, including Matt Stafford. But other than that, he's had more yards than everybody else. That isn't that bad. Thirty-three to seven turnover, uh, touchdown to turnover ratio. At one point, he got. I think it was a really bad stretch of like three or four games. But from the first like ten, he had like two interceptions. Kid was on fire, but he wasn't a run-first offense with Mike Zimmer as the head coach, kind of like that old-school D and having a run game. Now he's got – I can't think of his name right at the top of the head. Kevin Johnson, Kevin something, home guy uh, from the L.A. Rams here. He's going to be a pass-first offense. you got the likes of Justin Jefferson who can stretch that field. Adam Thielen, who still, have, still has a little bit left in the tank. And, oh, yeah, you can get Dalvin Cook a little bit of touches out of the outfield in the receiving game. Alexander Madsen's not too bad either. So I'm going to take Kirk Cousins here. It's an absolute shot in the dark, but I'm not here. I'm, I'm not here to kind of pussyfoot around. I'm here to have hot takes and hopefully uh, not have to walk it back here in a few months. I'm impressed that you would take him though, because like we talked about before we started recording, that's not a pander pick. There's going to be a lot of people that don't like that there. So I, I got that give pick. You. I did that pick and I, I would have. Uh, yeah, that was only about one or two spots before I would have picked him. And Kirk Cousins is another guy that's like Stafford in the sense that if you swapped St- Cousins and Stafford, they still win a Super Bowl. And Cousins has unbelievable statistics. And we're, you know, we're talking about Cousins in a different light. On top of that, he is the king of guaranteed money. Everyone wants to talk about, oh, like Deshaun Watson's going to be the pioneer of this guaranteed money. Fuck no. Kirk Cousins was doing that. Two or three years ago, man. Every, like his last like three contracts, I think have been all guaranteed. If it's contract or an extension, go. 
Well, and, and now, he doesn't cuss. You and he doesn't cuss. That's pretty awesome for a quarterback, huh? Uh, no, not really. It's kind of wild. Yeah, I know. But yeah, like you you mentioned too, Kevin O'Connell coming over from LA. That should be really exciting. I know the artist now known as Kevin Johnson. Uh, but yeah, it's gonna be a fun Vikings offense. And it's just one of those things that people have to be willing to give Kirk Cousins a chance. And when they do, I think I had him a few spots lower than you guys. I had him rounding out my top 10, but he's top 10 nonetheless. So I, I honestly don't knock it. If anything, it got me fired up because I'm going to take Matt Stafford to round out my third round. I was very happy that he fell to me. I had him seven. He's another guy that I feel like has been pigeonholed. And going back to Justin Herbert, this is the guy I was talking about too, where this guy, I feel like because of the situation has almost morphed his reputation in the league, so to speak, where with the Lions, people like myself, I've never been as high, I guess, as a lot of people are. David, you said it earlier, and I thought it was perfect. Seventh, eighth in the league, it's kind of who he's always been. He's kind of the just face of consistency at the quarterback position. And now, I mean, it's easy to give Cooper Cup all of the credit for his Triple Crown unbelievable season, but we're so quick to, like, leave out quarterbacks when it doesn't fit our narratives. And Matthew Stafford is a large reason why that happened. I love getting the guy here. There's a very good chance we're talking about a, a Rams team that could repeat. And at that point, I think you almost put the debate to bed if Matthew Stafford leaves them there. People like me will have to get over it and say that he will be a, a, an undoubtable Hall of Famer at that point. Now, I'm going to – God, this is where it gets hard, guys. I don't know about you. The razor-thin gap for me between 9 and 12, I think you can almost make a case. David shaking his head. I think you can make a case for a few of these guys here. Now, I'm going to actually go Dak Prescott at 9. People around the Cowboys this offseason feel very confident that another year removed from his ankle injury, that he's actually going to be a mobile threat again. He's apparently throw, or running a little bit more in uh, this offseason stuff right now. They think that he's going to make that kind of a, a tool on third down again. And when he's able to run the ball, even – four or five times a game to even move the sticks a couple times on third down. That's when that Cowboys team looked like a team you could talk yourself into thinking is a Super Bowl threat. I don't know if it happens, but this is where the fourth round is going to be hard because there are red flags and question marks about pretty much all the guys going further. What are you guys thought on those two picks there? Matt Stafford and Dak Prescott to round out my third and fourth pick. I don't hate Stafford at all. Uh, I have one guy above Prescott that I would have taken before. I'm not going to say it because I don't want Steven to, to steal my pick before I get to it. <laughs> he probably will anyways, but I won't say it. But oh, you know, I will. Prescott, I think everything you said about Stafford, 100% agree with. Um, I, Prescott to me is the, you know, as close to league definition of 10th best quarterback in the NFL every single year. Uh, he doesn't change much. He doesn't get drastically better or worse. He's just kind of, you know, if the team was really good, if he was put on the Rams, probably still gets him to the Super Bowl. Uh, but he's never going to go out of his way to to lead the Cowboys anywhere special. No, Dak, no, Dak Prescott, like, I get it. They have a, I'm a, as you can tell, it's, it's like the third or fourth time I'm already talking about it, but just a deteriorating, deteriorating, deteriorating. Whatever. You get there. You got O-line. there. 
eventually. We took we had to take the uh the troll road here. The O-line is bad. We have a huge question mark about uh, Zeke and Tony Pollard. Who's that going to be? You don't have Amari Cooper. CD, can C.D. Lamb really be the number one guy? Is Michael Gallup going to be back healthy enough? Because you spend a lot of money with him. I just don't know if Dak Prescott and, – and the biggest thing is, is he is he really going to flourish under Mike McCarthy and that offense? You know that he is that coach that just likes to hold hold people back. No, you're playing in my offense this way or the highway, and – it's just a horrible, horrible scenario for him to be in until that is until Dan Quinn gets to take over here, interim head coach, probably about week nine or 10. Um, but I can Dak do it. Absolutely. He is way better when he is able to get out of that pocket. We know his ankle uh, hampering him last year from doing that was huge, but I don't know if it's going to be enough to feel like maybe he's a top 10 guy. I, I would love to eat my own words. You know, I do it often, but maybe in a couple years, maybe not just this year with a couple guys, I think that, um, we're going to have years that they have to prove themselves. Now, Matt Stafford, of course, fun fact, only guy that, I mean, I guess it's not really a fun fact, but he is the, he is the common denominator, denominator and quarterback for two of the best receiving years in NFL history with Calvin Johnson, as well as Cooper cup. And yeah, is he going to blow you out of the water with, with stats? Not really. Yeah. He has a couple 5,000 yard seasons, but cool. I guess you can do that when you're on a six eleven team and always down by 20 points every game. Um, that's just kind of like how he's made his career, but don't sell the guy short. I think that he's a stud. Is he going to, he can have really bad patches. I want to say like seven turnovers over like a three, three and a half game stretch uh, to end the season, but then he can put up a, you know, 12 touchdowns and two interceptions over that same stretch um, at, at one point. So I like the pick and he, and he set up very nicely with, with AR uh, Allen Robinson in the mix now there with Cooper Cup. I'm going to be keeping a really close eye on David here to see if you do get his pick. But your <laughs> final pick, Stephen, round it out for us. What you got? So you know how to go, my boy. There's a lot of trash talk that's been happening recently. But no matter what anyone says, he is a North Carolina State boy. So I got to go with Russell Wilson as my pick on this one. I'm assuming, Is that the correct one, David? Are you happy? No, nope, I had somebody different. You have Kyler, don't you? I do. I, I was okay. like those three. I it was those three. I was like waffling. I'll let I'll were, let I'll let Steven continue to explain and then I'll I'll say why I'm I'm taking Kyler after. <laughs> so with Russell, you know, we want to talk about how Kirk Cousins was just stuck in his, you know, never never changing offensive scheme or run first, but Russ came from a, a way worse experience. He has a horrible defense and a run first offense that has no offensive line and really just no running backs because they all seem to get injured because of the aforementioned offensive line problems here. Uh, I think Russ is set up perfectly. This is going to be one of his best teams that he's going to be on in, in quite a few years. Uh, now, obviously, the biggest question mark is who are the receivers, but who is that veteran guy that is going to be leading them? Not really a big offseason uh, free agent destination that, you know, that they snagged anybody in, but they have some young studs in Jerry Judy. You got Cortland Sullivan. KJ Hamler. I uh, know Tim Patrick just got paid this offseason. Noah Fant was sent to Seattle on that trade. So don't know really who that tight end is going to be. Better running backs? Absolutely. And Nathaniel Hackett, who from Green Bay, dude never really even called plays to begin with because Aaron Rodgers was your quarterback. So this guy's getting the luckiest break ever to start an NFL head coaching career. Uh, I think Russ is just going to thrive in there with a way better defense. Good luck in that hellhole we call the AFC West. But nonetheless, I think he's going to put up some numbers this year. 
I like the pick. I was scared of I had I had Russell Wilson at my 12th best quarterback and only because last year was the worst year of his career, the most injured year of his career. It was, you know, when I when I look at the stats, which I, I made specifically 2021 only, so it's biased. But you look at the stats from last year, he's bottom five in, in yards, attempts, completions and first downs, probably because he missed so many games. Um, but he's top five in yards per attempt is the most interesting one. And then uh, quarterback rating. So he still has it, but it's just, can he stay healthy? And then to Steven's point, is he going to thrive with all the new weapons he has? Cause he had some phenomenal weapons in Seattle. Uh, but is he going to thrive with a better defense that, you know, keeps them off the field and, and, you know, something he can, he's got a lot, he's got a lot more to work with in Denver than he, he did the last two years in Seattle. Um, whether you account for receivers or not, everything else is, is a lot better in Denver. I will say my piece on Russell Wilson. I'll let you explain your Kyler Murray pick to finish us off here. I was very fascinated by the yards per completion too, David. I, I was actually stunned by, it. I guess it makes sense when you factor in the type of receivers he has DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett stretched the field so well, but it's almost interesting at the same time because we are so quick if you win a Super Bowl early in your career to give guys passes where we're often critical if you aren't the guy to get it done. I feel like just the the fortunate, I guess, time and place where he was there for a legion of boom, I think raised us up to believe he was a top five quarterback. He's a very good quarterback. He's not that guy. I think this is a really good spot for him. Like you guys, I had him ranked as my 11th guy. Uh, I'm right there with you. It's just now an interesting, or I guess the question is, does he get back to that early Seattle Seahawks, Russell Wilson now with all the talent back around him, or is he kind of reverted back to who he really is? So that's going to be my whole, I guess, focus on him in the Broncos this year. And as you guys know, I'm consistently saying fourth place in the division. How about Kyler Murray? And what's your reason in there? So I had... I kid you not, Kyler Murray, I had until an hour ago, I had as my 11th best quarterback, or yeah, 11th best quarterback in the NFL. I moved him to my ninth. So he's who I end with because he is so interesting from an analytics perspective. Like when you look at PFF analytics, he, he had the best of all the quarterbacks in the NFL, the best big time play percentage to turnover worthy play margin in the NFL, the very best. And it wasn't even close. There was nobody even relatively close to him. So he made big plays more than he even put up turnover worthy margin plays better than any quarterback in the NFL. So you take that into account, you take into account, he was top five in yards per attempt completion percentage. Um, and he was probably average at he, he was average in almost everything else like there was never no top five no bottom five and really anything else and then you take into account that he can use his legs uh he's not a designed runner like Lamar Jackson he's not a scrambler like Josh Allen or Hertz but he can use his legs he extends the plays and for that reason I put him above uh Dak Cousins and Russell Wilson for me at number nine pure talent 
dude's an absolute stud, but it's like, can he stay on the field? And as well as can the play stay consistent enough to have the team stay hot at the right times? Because we've seen it, seems like the past two years, they were like, yep, we almost want to give them the Super Bowl. I know last year, let alone uh, the year before, we were in the Super Bowl talks of maybe for the Cardinals. And they just kind of fell off because of his injuries. And then, you know, you go out of the uncontrollables of him, of DeAndre Hopkins going out. Now he's not going to have him for the first six games. Uh, there's just a lot of, uh, you know, big question marks on on can he stay healthy and as well as can Cliff Kingsbury keep that offensive rolling and humming if there are injuries in there. Uh, pure step, talent standpoint, dude's an absolute beast. And I also love the saying that he looks like a baby running away with like a toy because anytime you see that, you know, when he's scrambling, first time I heard that, I can't unsee it. Uh, so it's hilarious. But no, Kyler, Kyler and Russell were right there for me as well. Um, I just wanted to go over with the experience and based off Russ, not really having injury plagued years. And he had the one last year. I'm just expecting a huge year. And I wouldn't count Kyler out as well. Kid's a beast. Kyler Murray is who Lamar Jackson wants to be. And he's not got the arm to do it. Kyler Murray, if he wanted to, could be that quarterback that could run for a thousand yards in a season if he chose to, but he has the arm talent where he doesn't need to. My biggest, I, I guess, not even concern, or I guess it would be a concern, is is he Kyler Murray with the Andre Hopkins, or is he Kyler Murray without DeAndre Hopkins? Because last year, that's interesting. Yeah, because at the end of the year, we saw how they started. They were world beaters the first two months of the year. DeAndre Hopkins gets dinged up. He actually misses. I want to say the last like month or so of the year, and the Cardinals fell off a bridge. Now this year. They're going to be starting with the out, without DeAndre Hopkins for the first six weeks of the year. Is he going to be the DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray without him this year? Or is this, again, just kind of a, a quarterback now that we're waiting to see take that next step to be able to elevate people around him instead of being elevated? And for me, that's not, where I'm looking. Not that it matters, but Christian Kirk's also gone, which, eh, who cares? Well, that was, that, Christian Kirk was his favorite slot receiver. Yeah. was his favorite receiver when DeAndre was out. Like, Christian Kirk's numbers skyrocketed. He got him that $84 million deal yep. in the last six yeah. weeks. So whack. And don't forget about Hollywood Brown who's joining. Talk about uh, having having chemistry from collegiate teammates. You got Hollywood Brown in there. Zach Gertz is going to have a full offseason underneath the program. You know, we traded for him halfway through the year. And he honestly had a pretty solid – um, last couple months of the season with Arizona. So I'm looking at him and maybe they get a, I don't know why I'm blanking on him right now. Low kid from Purdue going into a second year. Maybe they're going to get him the ball. Rondell Moore, maybe get him the ball a little bit more here too on the uh, jet sweeps. They can make this offense scary. He can be good. If they use him right, Rondell Moore can be a game changer. Yeah. I, I don't want to interrupt here, but I, Wally, I wasn't oh, going to let you or Steven end this podcast without bringing up Lamar Jackson. After looking at everything I looked at for like a week and a half on PFF, on like just general statistics, holy hell, I do not believe Lamar Jackson. I think the only reason he's a top 15 quarterback is because I can't legitimately take Jimmy Garoppolo or Mac Jones above Lamar Jackson. <laughs> and I like – like let's put this into perspective right so so you shit on Lamar Jackson for for his throwing ability right like look, the average person let's say shits on Lamar Jackson the average Ravens fan, Ravens fan is gonna be like yeah but he's runs like he's extending plays he's not throwing a lot he's whatever Lamar Jackson leads the league in designed runs last year 
he doesn't crack the top three in QB scramble yards. Wow. I so, did not know that. So he's not, he's not just extending pass plays and running. It's not just that. It's it's Allen Hurts and Mahomes were the top three in scramble yards. So Lamar Jackson leads the league design runs. He is bottom five in passing yards, attempts, completions, touchdowns, uh, QB rating, first downs, 40 plus yard plays. Like I I can't legitimately figure out if he's actually like we make the joke that he's a running back playing quarterback he's a running back i <laughs> i literally cannot make an argument that he's better than baker mayfield's worst season last year i can't like baker mayfield had better statistics than him and we're talking touchdowns. about baker mayfield like he was the worst quarterback in the nfl for all of last year i 16 touchdowns to 13 picks like baker had 17 touchdowns. I, no 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 i'm just, that's what i mean i know like, I, it's astonishing. It's astonishing. And I don't like Baker had more passing yards. It was the worst year of his career. I don't like, I, I just don't know. Like I, I, I think Lamar Jackson is super, super special as a runner, super special. He makes it hard to play against, but then I sit here and I break down everything and I'm like, this guy is literally a running back playing quarter. Michael, like any comparison to Michael Vick or saying he's better than Michael Vick is a gross insult to Michael Vick because Michael Vick was actually a very he was more like Josh Allen than he was Lamar Jackson like he was a strong-armed freakazoid quarterback who ran faster than anyone in the NFL like it's and he missed totally some of his prime years like yeah. who knows what we're talking yeah. about if he doesn't miss those years right One of the I just, like, I, it was astonishing when I saw because I knew Baker Mayfield was going to be the bottom of the list he had the worst year of his career but Lamar Jackson, actually, from a statistics of last year only, only passing, not including running, Lamar Jackson actually ranked lower in almost everything across the board than Baker Mayfield. And, like, you throw in Lamar Jackson's running, and it's okay, yeah, I take him over Baker last season alone. But, like, I I legitimately, like, I, I, I couldn't figure out a reason to even get Lamar Jackson close to my top ten, other than the fact that I can't pick Jimmy Garoppolo, Baker Mayfield, or Mac Jones over him based on last year? The only thing I'd add, which is to like further prove your point, like he's a guy that if we are drafting for regular season quarterbacks, get us in the playoffs, give us a chance to compete for a wild card or a division, he's a guy in that list. Once you get to the playoffs and these teams – so clearly have adapted to his play by that time of year. They're putting seven defensive backs on the field. He's one in three in the playoffs. I know it's not a team stat, but it feels largely because of him. So that's why I'm putting it there. Three touchdowns in four games and five picks. I mean, last year was the first year in his career. He's ever averaged more than a hundred or 208 yards per game through the air. It's 2022. It's insane. I'm glad that we, we can all finally agree on one thing. Just. I'm just so done. He's not a quarterback. He's a running back. And the only thing I can ever think of was just the, what, week one or week two of a season two or three years ago against Miami when he hung up like six on them. Other than that, it's like, dude, you you barely were able to put that up in the next couple of games. I'm so, I'm so tired of it. Can they make it a great running offense? Absolutely. But the Mike Vick comparisons, prettiest ball ever. I'll never forget. Mike or uh, Philadelphia Eagles, Michael Vick still being able to sling dimes like Lamar still can't do to this day. So I'm Andy Reid had Michael Vick looking like a top five quarterback that one year. Yeah, I, 
He, I mean, that was playoff run. Yeah. Yep. And then the follow, what was it? The following year where the Eagles put together a bunch of names on a roster and flatline. Green team. <laughs> the green well, team. What, right around then, you had Kevin Cobb too, though. Like there was a weird gap <laughs> where it was like Michael Vick was unreal, terrible dream team year. Kevin Cobb 34 and two or whatever stupid numbers it was. Yep. Like, unbelievable. God, Kevin Cobb had a seven touchdown game that year, didn't he? Or something like that. Yeah. Six and people were like, game. pay the man. He's the yeah. future. Like, thank God if you're a Philly fan, you didn't have to worry about that. Almost like Carson Wentz, same team, shouldn't probably go there. (laughs) Now, I'm going to ask a spur-of-the-moment quick question. Don't need to go into detail, and then we can wrap up because I know we're running a little long. Of this, Because we didn't get into any of these guys. Of the second-season quarterbacks, who's going to have the best year this year, whether it be Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, or Davis Mills? up on it first I, and i hope i'm not taking david here i just got i'm a, just a huge believer in what doug peterson can bring to the jacksonville jaguars and trevor lawrence's game um I, I know i've said it on here before is that roster is really not bad just the way urban meyer came in and just somehow dismantled that roster was was horrible they're gonna get travis Etienne back here make him a little bit more of a receiving uh running back you're gonna have Hopefully James Robinson makes that makes that comeback. You have young studs in your receiving core. Your boy I really Christian like Kirk. That's not the one I'm even thinking of. What Marvin Marvin Jones? Give me Marvin Jones over that guy. Uh, bring bring Tim Tebow back over Christian Kirk. I don't care about that. Uh, but I just like Doug Peterson. What he does, he's a proven winner against those young quarter that young quarterback or the backup quarterbacks, and just being able to slow down the playbook in the offense and the game in general. To make them successful, I'm going to go with Trevor Lawrence on this, but I think I don't know. I think there's a couple other guys I'd pick over him. I don't. I don't disagree totally. I Trevor Lawrence is tough for me, right? So I looked at this. I, I looked at my list. I have 25 quarterbacks that I evaluated because I did it based off passing yards. Because if you don't go over Lamar Jackson was the lowest at, at 2,800 passing yards of my top 25. If you don't go over that, you didn't play enough. Uh, or you just don't even deserve to be considered for this discussion, right? So Zach Wilson, a little bit of both for me. Um, Justin Fields didn't play enough. Trevor Lawrence played every game, but to to Steven's point, is the Urban Meyer effect like so is he broken? Yeah, is he is he broken? But like I'm looking at it, he's got six yards per attempt, which is so very clear and below everyone but Ben Roethlisberger, who couldn't throw, uh, he couldn't throw a lacrosse ball ten plus yards in the last season. He's he's got a fifty nine point six completion percentage and seventeen interceptions. I I don't know if that's the Urban Meyer effect and just horrific offensive play calling, but like if you're only throwing six yards downfield on average, again, I don't understand leading the league in interceptions i don't like i don't get that i don't if if all of your passes are essentially check down passes you're i get the rookie quarterback perspective you don't really know what you're looking you're going to look at maybe he throws it to his first look every time they're guarded every time because the jaguars didn't have great receivers i you know there's an argument for that i get that but i just look at his stats and they scare me a little bit because they're they're just not like if he was really good and it was the urban Meyer effect, I feel like it would be slightly better in terms of his accuracy and even his, his, you know, yards downfield, I feel like would be a little bit better, but 
if I was a betting man, I'd bet on Justin Fields to probably have the best season. Uh, new offense, one that's not designed to get him killed in the backfield. And uh, I don't know. I just, for some reason, I just, I have a little bit more faith over 16 games in Justin Fields and the Bears offense and, and team than I do in, in Trevor Lawrence with, um, you know, Steven said it, a good coach in Doug Peterson. I don't think Doug Peterson's a bad coach at all. I think he'll have that team operating way better than last year, but I just don't, I have zero faith in Trevor Lawrence until I see something, just something, a glimmer of even a little bit of hope, which I saw on Justin Fields last year. I want so bad for you to be right about Justin Fields, but the bears haven't done anything. I feel like to, to warrant me believing there's going to be enough of a jump. And I think the talent's still there. You know, you've heard me a million times say, Hey, like give the guy a chance. It's just, He's not really thrown to anybody right now. Now I'm rooting for Trevor Lawrence to be the biggest bust ever, just because then maybe it takes some of the Jamarcus Russell heat off me uh, because it would be that <laughs> level of a bust. If he did like continue to play as poorly as he did last year. And it's weird because Davis Mills had the best year out of everybody on this list. And he probably had just as little to work with, but I don't know if it's, I, I get the like consistently average vibe from him where I'm going to go off the beaten trail too. I'm going to take Zach Wilson. And my reason for that is less of what we saw last year and more of what they're putting around him versus the other teams on this list. They're going to have a very good offensive line. It'll be even better if Makai Becton learns how to, to like eat a salad every now and then. I know I'm talking, but if that's the case, they have a good wide receiver, especially a young core now. There's no reason for him brought in CJ Uzama from the Bengals. There's a lot there for him. So, like, I think he has the best chance. It's just a matter of, for all four of these guys, who's going to put it together? And right now, I think you can make a case for any of them. I don't think any of them will ever end up being elite quarterbacks. I think they're all, you know, at best, slightly above league average, but they're all in horrific situations, just horrific situations. And until that gets better, I can't. I just can't be sure who's going to be the best out of out of that second year quarterback class because to your point, Davis Mills looked like the clearer and clear cut, far and away best one, and it wasn't close. But I don't even believe that on talent perspective. Mm -hmm. I think he was. I still think he was in a slightly better situation than uh, Justin Fields and definitely Trevor Lawrence because I think that I think the Texans, while having a terrible terrible roster, still had Brandon Cooks who put up pretty great numbers last year in the most, you know, unknown sense of unknown. I, I just think his coaching staff was, they were trying to win games at any means possible where I look at the bears and I, if you watch replays of those games, it's like they're running verticals on fourth. They, on they first tried down. to ruin him. They tried yeah, to ruin and, him. And it's like, it, it, they're running verticals on first down. And I'm like, what nobody's even remotely open. He doesn't have any time to throw. Why are we, why are we running these plays? And, you know, say again, we can hit on Trevor Lawrence all day. Urban Meyer is the worst coach in NFL history. It's not close anymore, it's, it's very clear cut. He actually probably had the most negative effect on a team that anyone's ever had. But I just like, there's nobody in this class that makes me think like, mm, maybe there's some, there's some, you know, elite talent there that's just being held back. It's kind of like, yeah, they're okay. Yeah. I mean, we saw the year before. I'm going to say you didn't go with Davis Mills, Wally. You talked him up, and then he just went with Zach Wilson. Just go with Davis Mills next time. 
I can't help myself. That's what I do here. I talk out of like both sides of my mouth. But I, I do uh, want to thank you, David, for coming on doing this first schoolyard pick. I know it went long, but this was a lot of fun. And that, the reason it went long was because we were having so much fun. I hope that everybody at home can get that too. But David, what do you have uh, left to, to either plug or share with us today before we wrap up? I got nothing. Like I said earlier, the only thing I had to make sure I said was that Lamar Jackson is shockingly bad as a quarterback. And that was the only, and it's not even because I'm a Browns fan and I don't like the Ravens. It was like looking at everything. I just, it was the only thing I couldn't close out today without saying is that he is shockingly bad as a quarterback. Well said. I think we're all on the same page there. Thanks again, David. We will uh, make sure we get you back on here sometime soon, hopefully sooner than uh, some may think. Thanks again for Kyle Butson coming on doing his Detroit Lions interview there. And thanks to David coming on and doing the schoolyard pick. First of all, I want to say a couple things on that Lions interview. Great job, Stephen, by the way. But I love Kyle Butson already. It's weird because I don't know him, but he's just like David. These are two guys that were day one listeners. And we can I can't really express enough how thankful we are for them for giving us the time of day to listen to us. But on top of that, I loved, first of all, you brought up the Lions uniforms. I love both. I think I wasn't clear on my question, too. I love their Thanksgiving uniforms where it's just a solid blue, yeah. plain gray, boring helmet. But then I also miss, like, the 90s, almost tearaway-looking jerseys. They were, like, a faded, gross blue, but I loved them. You said I was an old man. You're right. That's the reason I love these old things. It's like the Falcons going with the red helmet again. Bring Ooh, it on. Bringing those back was huge. Amen. Amen. And But I, I couldn't help but laugh. He has them winning the division. Kyle, at home, seek help, my friend. We are going to get you help. It's okay. They, it's, they're going to get better. They but are. you're telling me, I can't believe this is me, not Steven doing it. You're going to bet that Jared Goff is going to win a division with Aaron Rodgers in it. Jared Goff-led team is going to beat an Aaron Rodgers-led team. I don't care if he's playing with the JV squad. What are we doing here? But anyways, Kyle, I love you. I can already tell we're going to be great friends. Abby, you're a great supporter too. Love supporting your, what, I guess, abbyturnercreative.com. We got that going. Hopefully working together with you more. And again, David, he's the man as well. So blast of a, an episode here. Long one, but I had a lot of fun doing it, those little interviews there. Yeah, that, that Detroit Lions, Honolulu Blue. And David was, honestly, David was giving us the fucking work yesterday. I'm going to, I'm just going to say it. He was giving it to both of us. It, dude, that's what David's about. That's why I love having him on is because he's not afraid to tell you that you're wrong. And we are sometimes too nice and we like shoulder bump each other and do, oh, no, it's oh, a good hell point. No. Hell, yeah, you, know, you, you had a good point. We Well, that's because I always do have good points. But when of we course, really don't feel like it, we it's almost like you focus in and we're like, no, hell no. I, I remember how heated we got about the Baker Mayfield talk amongst a couple other things we just so happen to agree on a lot of things but you wait i feel like this season something's gonna change last thing and then we'll jump into the 911 emergency rapid fire that little quick little segment we've been introducing here david brought up and i'm really upset i forgot to mention at the end of that little uh pick em, lamar jackson and his struggles scrub what gets me is that how is it gonna get better who would want as a wide receiver, to go and play there, you're never going to get free agents. It's going to have to be through trades. And at that point, 
you better make it a concerted effort to get them the ball. Otherwise they're not going to stick around. There's no reason to want to play in Baltimore. Yeah. And unless they're really competing for a Super Bowl, which I don't feel likely in their division, let alone the whole conference, I don't see that happening. Like you said, they're going to have to make it via trades or they're going to have to draft a guy and really hope that he is going to be that person. Someone I thought that they could have, that would work well right now. It's a Rondell Moore, right? Having a jet sweep guy or getting someone at that caliber who maybe doesn't like to, who likes to carve up the defense based off routes, little short intermediate routes of anywhere from 10 to 15 to 20 yards. Even, even the 20 yards is kind of far for Lamar Jackson to throw. I saw him fuck up a three yard out route. Um, against the Steelers Monday night, but still, I, I agree. You know, I was able to give him the benefit of the doubt strictly because of his athleticism of running the ball, but people are going to know how to beat you and just contain you, which I get it. It's hard, but you contain him and keeping him, keep him in the pocket and make him play quarterback. That is how you're going to win. And we saw that in a lot of their losses this past year. And we saw him in a lot of their quote unquote wins that Justin Tucker had to save him last minute on. If you remember, there's a stretch of about five or six weeks that they were continuously winning at the buzzer. You see that happening a lot for teams one year, the next year it kind of catches back up with them. I can see that being the case. Lamar, you got to get to the passing. You got to be a better passer. Yeah, at this point, I might go as far as saying Cam Newton's a better passer than you. And you guys know how I feel about Cam Newton and his passing. If It won't happen because he's already on like – like he needs to be put in like a straight jacket so he doesn't hurt himself mode. Debo Samuel is the player that you're describing that would be perfect in a Baltimore Ravens led offense. And if he thought it was bad in San Francisco, imagine what it would be like. He would be used a criminal amount and it would, he would have to get paid a, a, a shit ton of money, but that is the kind of player that I feel like you're going to need a trailing Burks. If he pans out, it sounds like he's already got problems in Tennessee with his OTAs and all that, but without getting more into it, Debo Samuel, I feel like makes a ton of sense there from a personnel side. You just would never convince him of it. He's the only guy that's not making a ton of sense right now. Do you like that pun? Oh, that was good. Actually. Like eight out of 10. Because he hasn't, he hasn't been extended yet. That's seven out of 10 now, seven out of 10 with the explanation. (laughs) Okay. Let's go to the rapid fire. 911 emergency rapid fire, that is. I'll lead us off here just because I want to and I can. Fuck it. Le'Veon Bell, Adrian Peterson having a celebrity boxing match, Wally. In or out? Oh, out. I'm so tired of celebrity boxing matches already. I will watch the Twitter six-second clip if one of them gets knocked out. Otherwise, this won't even be my on my radar the day of. I think it's going to be fun. I, like, I love Adrian Peterson. I think that he's going to... I think he's going to beat the brakes off Lev Bell, especially if they're actually going to allow him to have the switch in the ring this time. <laughs> Football fans are rooting for it. No, maybe not the switch part, but they are definitely rooting for Le'Veon Bell to get his ass kicked. There's no question about that. Arch Manning committed to Texas, which means we're probably or possibly, I should say, five years away from another Manning in the NFL. Thoughts? I love it. He better be as good as Peyton and more funny than Peyton. But, yeah, that's it's scary to think that we're in that in-between. I guess it's going to be a 12, 13, 14-year span that we're not going to have any Mannings in. Well, from Peyton over here, to, over here to Arch, I'm just interested in why he chose Texas over it. Obviously, NIL deal played a huge part in that. But Texas, a cause that's 
collegiate football wise has just fallen apart the last several years. It it surprised me a lot. Not going to a Tennessee or maybe the old Miss. David Clayton and all the other Texas fans are celebrating, but all I know is I'm already cranking it to the idea of Ohio State and Texas at the horseshoe, hopefully under the lights in 2025. Well, don't talk, don't crank it too quick here because the Sean Watson NFL disciplinary hearing is set to start here. Now, we know last week settled 20 and 24 lawsuits. We're going into this week where it started on started yesterday on Tuesday, the 28th. We're hoping to get an answer, gets pushed back to today, Wednesday, the 29th. Still no answer. We're going to get pushed back and go into day three in front of Judge Sue Robinson to hopefully finally get a verdict and see what the suspension is for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, we're not going to spend a ton of time on this yet. We will once we actually know what the deal is. It's just right now everybody's saying the same thing. We we know where we stand. We think Deshaun Watson's a scumbag. I'm rooting for a year plus. I'm not even ashamed to admit that. It's just we don't know at this point. It's kind of really been muddled because they keep seeming to leak things to see public response. And then they're like, oh, shit, that didn't work. Let's leak this one. Let's leave that because that's the NFL. That is the NFL. And I've and I've gone on a rant about it. It's they can't they can't think for themselves. It's like, oh, it's oh, put this out. Backlash. Oh, <laughs> I was just kidding. That that was even a real Twitter account. Right? No, this is what it is. Oh, are you oh yeah, you know, we were also just fucking just make a correct ruling for once. All sides have bungled and this. Stick to it and stick to it. Yes. And but all sides have bungled on this. You have the Browns who claim that they did all this due diligence and never even reached out to any of the victims. You have the Texans who have seemingly basically enabled him to do this, basically set up the NDNAs and all that. And then you go to the the NFL, which just allowed all this wild, wild West shit happen the last 12 months because they couldn't make a decision. And now again, we're stuck waiting. And now you have teams they have no idea who's going to be the starting quarterback. They don't know if they need to move Baker Mayfield or what have you. Well, since you're talking about Baker Mayfield, looks like Baker to Seattle is kind of heating up here. Baker said Tuesday both sides are kind of ready to move on. Obviously, he was quoted that at his football camp over the weekend, as well as, you know, maybe if they were, if the Browns reached out to reconcile, maybe if they were able to reach out. But he gave us the generic quote. I'm very grateful for the four years they had in Cleveland. I made lifelong relationships and friendships, yada, yada, yada. He's just very salty. And I think that they agree to both move on. Is this a real deal? Is this buzz real, Wally? Is he going to Seattle? He's got to go somewhere because as much as I'm rooting for the idea, just for the chaos and the theater of it, him being back in Cleveland to see what would happen in the event Deshaun Watson is done for a full year, it's not going to happen. The Browns would have to come crawling on their hands and knees to Baker, and I don't think that either side would be willing to do that now. Whether it's Carolina or Seattle, it's going to happen. I think last week there was a report that the Browns are even willing to pay up to half his salary now. He's gone. It's just a matter of when and where. Man, the Browns have to pay a lot of salary on quarterbacks that just aren't even going to take a snap for their organization. But with that, that is going to bring us to the end of another episode of Loss of Down. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, at Loss of Down, and of course, Twitter, down underscore loss. Want to give a huge shout out to David and Kyle Butson being able to kind of come on the show, take time out of their day, whoop our ass a little bit, and we had fun all in between it. As well as we want to give a shout out to tabbies.com, our sponsor, and Kyle Butson's better half, Abby Turner Creative, abbyturnerphoto.com. Wally, what parting words do you have for the fans? No, you drilled it right there. I'm very appreciative to both Kyle and David. I'll make sure 
I'm back on with Kyle the next time he's on. I had car issues and it just was not in the right headspace to be on there. But otherwise, O'Neill Cruz, any baseball fans, it sounds like you were shitting on it all day when I wasn't around, so good for you. He is the next thing. And I'm so excited to watch him until, of course, he's traded to the Yankees. Or I was going to say, until he else. leaves your organization, like you say, all of your favorites do. Next three years are going to be great, though. And the other thing I would say and to finish it up is we have big news coming. You won't even have to wait more than a minute or two next episode. You're going to want to be here. Big news coming. You're going to want to tune in. He is Wally. I am Steve. We are Loss of Down. And until next week, that's all I got. Just until next week, hopefully, or maybe in two weeks, maybe three. You guys maybe are the best. Maybe we're on a long vacation, not until August. <laughs> Bye.